Howdy, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, uh, we are starting just a little bit different just because this podcast is quite a bit longer than my normal podcasts. Nathan and I just had a really wonderful conversation, and I hope you guys get to enjoy it as much as we did. I also want to thank each and every single one of you that continues to come back and listen to the podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. I would not be here without each and every single one of you, and I look forward to the, con- the growth that we will continue to have. I also want to mention there is a new ability to support the podcast via Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Ben Thinking. We appreciate everybody's support. We are going to be doing $5 a month. That is $5 a month, and it'll be ad-free. And hopefully, we will continue to grow the abilities on the Patreon. But for now, we will be doing ad-free. And since we will be doing one podcast per day for the rest of the year, and hopefully moving forward as well, then we know there is no day early ability there. So it'll be $5 per month to help support the growth of the podcast. I greatly appreciate all the love that has been offered towards the podcast and the growth that we've seen in the last year and a half to two years now. And it, it truly has been quite a, quite a ride. So I would like to thank each and every one of you again. It has been quite a journey. And I am looking forward to creating a, an individual episode here soon, just to kind of give a kind of a rundown of what's been going on. I know that you guys get to hear a lot of really cool stories from other people, but at the same time, I want to give a little bit of a, of an interlude, if you will, towards what is going on in the creation of the podcast and how, you know, how, how Ben's doing, how we're doing, what Ben's thinking about. We get to hear a lot about what other people are thinking of and then how that prompts thoughts in our own heads, but also uh, hopefully some actions in our own lives and then what that does for, you know, how life is going today, how we put those things into practice. So again, thank you guys for your continuous support. Find us on Patreon. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, give us a rating if you've listened to an episode I would greatly appreciate any support, any interaction you can help with. It helps that algo rhythm. So again, patreon.com forward slash Ben Thinking. You can find us on YouTube for our video and audio versions, which we are growing with. You will see some here that are that are that were recorded quite a while ago, but now are um, being posted. And then in the future, you will see some higher quality items. We have, you know, added the three cameras. Uh, we've, you know, we've done a lot. So again, would not be here without your support and continually listening in to what we're thinking about. So thank you. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Nathan Allen. Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's.
So, hi. What's up? Hanging out, dude. Hanging out. Thank you all for tuning in. Love you. Today we have Nathan Allen. He's back again. Like, subscribe, do the things. Um, so, how's life been, man? Life's been good. Starting at the, the new job. Been there for, what month is it? April? So, four months now, almost. Um, nice coming out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you, you, I didn't end up listening to the last of what we had, what we had gone up to. Um, did we talk about where you were at before a little bit? I didn't quite finish it. I was listening. I mean, I listened to it multiple times, but I haven't listened to it fully today. Um, I think we ended up like I we're talking about the dental school. I was in that and what my process was, you know, during, during that, um, part of like leaving the church. Yeah. If you wanted to continue that part of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, since we started with where you're working at now, I guess, why is this place better than the last place? What are you seeing different where you're at now versus where you were at before? Yeah. So it's the, the environment at this, this dental office is significantly better than the previous one. There was just a lot of, um, gossipy energy and just kind of toxicity at that other office. And I mean, it starts with the management at the top really. And it just trickles down to everything. Um, and I wasn't totally aware of that type of environment when I first signed on after about a year, I was a little more aware of it, had another year left on the contract and decided to write it out. And that was a mistake. I was pretty burnt out after that. Hence me retiring for a couple months. Um, and then I came out of retirement, found this uh, other office here I in town. <laughs> I, it makes me, I think I had more fun telling people that you were retired than you were like, oh, yeah, I'm retired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 he's retired. It's, it's really cool. Because like, I think that flexibility is – it's a – it's a it's ah, man, I don't want to say blessing, right? Because that's maybe not the most fitting word. But yeah. it's – it's a luxury. It was, it was, it's nice that I was able to have a career where even after being burnt out, I had worked for long enough that I, my savings were enough that I could chill. And I, I honestly could have stayed out of work for months longer than I already did. But it was time. It was time to get back to doing things and being productive. And like that's – I spent my, my life educating myself to do this thing, and I spent months not doing it. So there's, there's been a lot of fulfillment about rejoining that, that workforce and, again, using those skills that I put so much time and money and effort into developing. Um, so part of that's been really great. Um, and then, like I said, the management at the top is so much better, better communication among all, all teammates. There's no gossip going on. Like we do like a morning huddle at – and the same thing was at the old office – but the morning huddle at the old office was like the opportunity to express grievances with your coworkers. And it's like, that's not the way that I want to kick off my work day. <laughs> this doesn't sound like a good start. No. <laughs> like, that's not the place to do it. Right. This is also not what we're here at work to do. Like you have a grievance with a coworker, deal with it on your own time or with the HR representative or whoever else. It's not like a communal, we're all going to li- right, your own little personal <laughs> beefs and shit. So like, no, we're not talking about that at all at this other office. We're like talking about the work day. Like, do we need to move anything around on your schedule? How's this looking? Here's this person that's coming in. This person's really sensitive. So we're going to, you know, take extra care. This person's got a really strong gag reflex. So take extra care for that as well. Damn. Like, we're prepping for the day, not talking shit to each other during our morning huddle to start. That's some good data. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like high school versus, like, professional, like, 
it's a much more mature office as well. Like just the age of the people who work there and their life experiences. A lot of us either have been married or are married, have kids, have been in, you know, not that that necessarily makes you an, a mature adult, but there's more life experience at this office. The average age is closer to my age, um, if not a little bit older. The average age at the other office was like early 20s, Damn. which is, I'm not, I'm not talking shit on early 20 year old people, but there's a certain level of life experience that comes. And when you're working in a super professional environment like that, having expertise from years and years of experience pays off for sure. It, it's your, I mean, you, it kind of comes with the payment as well, like, but you're, I would all day pay for a better experience. Yeah. Right. Like I told you about the lady that lost my social security like four times. Like, I don't think that that's this kind of place, right? No. Like you, you have a more professional setting and, it might take more work, but then you get to actually practice the thing that you studied. But at the same time, it's also been more beneficial for me at the end of the day as a client. Yeah. I get to feel more comfortable handing over my mouth to you, right? Right. Yeah. Like we talk about the, the patient experience a lot more at this office. We didn't talk about it at all at the other office. Like didn't give a rat's ass what the patient experience was like. We were just churning out numbers. We wanted to come in, come out, get them done. And that was kind of the nature of that office as well. Um, I wasn't totally aware of what it was going to be like working for a Medicaid office. And that's like, that's the low of the low of government insurance for, for teeth. It's horrible. Like that, the, the fees that you get for, for Medicaid for doing an extraction, pulling out an infected tooth that has the potential to like really harm somebody's body was comparable to the fee for a haircut. Damn. So it's like... <laughs> Why? Why are we accepting this insurance? And, and it was like 40 to 60% of their patient base at that office is Medicaid. And that's why they're just turning out numbers. They're, just, they're not going for quantity. They're, or they're not going for quality. They're going for quantity. And I, that's not the way I want to work. A true production style company. Yeah, but not, not like not quality production, just, just raw numbers. And it was like, we don't have room in the schedule. And I'm like, yeah, because the schedule is literally full of shit. Like there's, there's nothing productive on the schedule. I've been at this new office now for, like I said, four months, and I have already beaten. So I, I know what I produce during the day. I, I can see that number at the end of the day. Um, and I have beaten that, my best number at the previous office. Support for Ben Thinking is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code THINKING at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 16 million balls. I got my lawnmower and weed whacker Recently, and I immediately put the weed whacker inside of my nostrils, no nicks, no snags, and I have never been able to smell things as good as after I used the crop, the weed whacker. The crop preserver makes my balls smell nice every single day that I'm in the gym, and of course, we love that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code thinking at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code thinking 
Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Four times now, maybe five times at this office. So, so five days that have beaten my one best day at that office. I do have more experience now at this office, but it's not just that. It's more so the way that things are scheduled. And again, that trickle down effect, the professionalism coming from the top all the way down. How many people do you have above you practicing? I guess like what does the management look like there versus here? Do, do doctors run the management or is there an office manager that runs the kind of the doctors? Yeah. So, the, so there were office managers at both offices and neither of them were more like managing what I do. They just kind of manage the, the office pace. So they're not telling me what procedures to do or I need to hit a certain number of things. Um, but yeah, so we had an office manager at the old office and one at this new one. Uh, but the office manager at this office seems more like she doesn't mind actually doing the work. I go to her with the thing that needs to get fixed, and she does it right there. The other one, I'd go to her with the thing that needs to be fixed. Sticky note, never happens. And do you think it's because of the Medicaid, like, the, is that the standard that, like, we're, okay, this is what we're willing to accept in terms of insurance, so this is the, what we're willing to accept in terms of, of, of professionalism or standards? Or is it just purely, like, could you have somebody who is this type of manager in a more Medicaid-centered place? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably a combination of both. You know, I, I do think just as a manager, the previous manager at that office was not great at their job, and they didn't necessarily want to be actively managing I think they just wanted things to be like self-sufficient and just running and they could just sit back. And I was like, that's not really what managing actually is. You need to be actively involved. You're the in, manager. You're managing it. That's, that's, that's a verb. Like this is actively going on. Um, so it, it's not a, a sit back and chill kind of a thing. But yes, if you're trying to be a good manager with like quality at a Medicaid office, you've really set yourself between like a rock and a hard place. Like it's just not. Medicaid offices, all of us at my office, we hear that Medicaid, we're like, nope, never. I'd never work for a Medicaid office. The hygienists, doctors, assistants, none of us are about it. So. I would have, has everybody had that experience in the office? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. At least the, the ones that I've talked to that are that passionate about it, they're like, yeah, I've done that before. Would never do it again. And because you want to do good for the people. You want to take care of them. And unfortunately, like the Medicaid patients are among the most needy in terms of their dental health because they're getting the free insurance. Um, are they the most needy? I think sometimes, but not always, right? I think that's like, it's a hard. Yeah. Sometimes, but not always where we're, and, and there's a unfortunate psychological thing that happens when you're getting shit for free. Happens with everybody, me included. 100%. You give me a free car. I'm not going to take care of that car like the one that I purchased with my own money. You know, so if you're getting free dental work, you don't really give a shit about it. You're not going to take better care of your teeth. You know, you need to sacrifice a little bit to really care about this, this thing. And people, at least the Medicaid ones that I had to deal with, did not have care at all about their teeth. No sacrifice. None at all. They'll drive their Corvette into the parking lot. But uh, if it's not free, the dental work, they're not going to pay for it. <clears throat> so how does that work? How can you... Why does somebody who owns a very nice Corvette, an expensive vehicle, right, also get free healthcare? I, I don't. I do not know the answer to that question. I don't know the nuances of how to even qualify for Medicaid. I, but that insurance is not doing you a favor. It might be free, 
and you don't you don't pay anything for it. But if you stick to just Medicaid and only do what Medicaid will do, they will lead you right into dentures. Like they, they don't they don't care about your teeth staying healthy and like keeping them. They'll cover extractions all day. They'll cover fillings sometimes, but like more advanced crowns, root canals, other things that are like saving the tooth. You got to fight for that shit to get them to cover it. And even then, it's like the fees are so low that the amount that you have to pay for your staff and the materials, you come out neutral at best, if not like in the negative. I, I told this office <laughs> over and over again, I was like, that we need insane. to drop net Medicaid. Like, why are we still using this insurance? And they're like, because it's so much of our patient base. And I was like, but the amount of work that we put, it's like 80% of our work for maybe 20% of our income. It does not make any sense. Like, we get so much better fees from either cash patients or like people with just better insurance plans. So, why, the, why take the Medicaid? I mean, there has to be. I get like there has to be a location that takes Medicaid. I get that. Right. <clears throat> so I guess that they, that they've made that decision. Okay, we're gonna take this this insurance but it just seems like the employee turnover would also be higher it is yeah they, they hang on to employees for probably a, a year maybe on average could you ever provide a non-medicaid experience to a medicaid office profitably probably not like just because of how much you do get paid for those. Like the reason why it becomes a, a quantity rather than quality is just because of those fees. You can't you can't be sitting there dilly-dallying and explaining the little things and giving them all the options and you know, really spending time with that patient when the fees that you're gonna get are literally half, if not less than half, of what you'd get with a, a normal PPO HMO type insurance. Has payments or um has, does does Medicaid? I, I would like to see a graph on on their payouts per I guess for per service. How much it costs? How much they pay for a, a filling now versus how much they paid for a filling ten years ago or yeah. twenty years ago? And I wonder if it's kept up with the price of technology and the price of uh, like price of real estate. Right. Like, does it really make sense, or are we just like we've set a standard and we're like, all right, let's hopefully we can. We've, we, tr we try to create an issue or try to create a, a solution here. Let's see how it plays out and then kind of forget about it. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even know if like Medicaid dental insurance was a thing 10, 15, 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, like I think it's more of a recent thing to have free dental care. Like for, for when my dad was graduated dental school uh, 30 whatever years ago, um, most of his patients would pay cash. You, you, you went to the dentist and you used your money to, to pay for things. Even if you had insurance, then... You probably would still pay a little bit of cash, but like free, purely free dental work from an insurance company, that's not, not common. And there, there's a reason why. It's because it's, it's shit insurance, you know? It's, it's absolute garbage. How does somebody select an insurance or is it, even, is it better to go with just paying cash? I honestly think it's better just to pay cash particularly for dental insurance, because they're so complicated. And like, if you want to go to the dentist and you're just wanting a checkup, all the x-rays, exam, assuming you need just a typical cleaning, most people need a little bit more, um, that might be 250 bucks. You do that twice a year, 500 for your, your, your teeth. Like, do you know how often <laughs> you use your teeth? 
every moment of every day you are using your teeth. And then they're going to bitch at me for wanting to pay for it. It's like you paid $1,000 for your cell phone that's sitting – well, you're, they're actively using it all the time. But <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's beside the point. It's uh, You can't have a good quality of life without healthy teeth. You showed me a picture at one time of somebody that lost their teeth, and I didn't realize how much found – like of the structure of your mouth is created solely by your teeth. Yeah. Somebody it's like they're inverted mouths mm-hmm. and it looks so. It goes the, up. Their chin goes up because imagine like your teeth aren't just your teeth; they have roots. So everything you see is maybe forty percent of the amount of teeth. Extend that up, like this thickness all the way around is just teeth, and all the bone that supports the teeth is going to go away when those teeth go away. So you lose all of that part of your face. Just, and that's just, why they look like their chin is. They can put their, their nose inside their mouth, essentially, is, is what... There's one yeah. TikTok guy that I see that does that. Like, mm-hmm. puts, his, puts his face... Is, it, was there, is that a disease? I thought he there had, was, like, a condition. He had a genetic anomaly that was a little more involved. I don't know if he developed all of his teeth or not, where he could, like, unhinge his jaw, too, and, like, really... Like, his jaw was, like, up here. Yeah, it looks <laughs> it like was, the weirdest thing. It was wild. So most, most edentulous patients that's no teeth don't get to that point. Um, but it still does look very, very sunken. And people don't realize how weird it looks if you don't have teeth. Like it's babies. You look at a baby, they don't have teeth and it looks totally normal. Now make that baby into an adult, but keep that gummy ridge. And it's like, it's, this is unnerving. (laughs) It's just so much structure. Like, yeah. And then try to eat, try to eat without teeth. You, you. It's just liquid diet, I assume? Yeah. I've had some patients who are just champs, and they will just gum away at their food, and they'll tell me about it. And they've got, like, calloused gums. <laughs> and I'm like, like you're, you're doing the work, but uh, you did not what? need to do that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah. And it's not that hard. You all have the instructions. Brush your teeth. Wash your teeth. Like, like we're not hiding things. Fluoride, man. You're, gonna, you're trying to control our brain. Yeah. 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 Clearly, us dentists are trying to control your brains with the fluoride. I think, you know, insurance, like Medicaid doesn't, is, is going to lead you to dentures. Most insurance companies don't really, we've had this conversation multiple times, they don't really care. Yeah, I'd say not just Medicaid. Most insurances, if you do just what they will cover and you're not willing to pay any additional cash, they will lead you into dentures. So, again, because they don't care about you. A denture patient is going to be their cheapest patient to maintain for dental insurance. Because what are they? There's nothing left to insure. Like, <laughs> there's no more fillings, there's no more cleanings, there's no more teeth to take care of, you know? And you're still going to have the dental insurance. Like, that's, yeah, that's their end goal. <laughs> To lead you to dentures because then you have a paying customer that is just profit. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll pay for new dentures every like eight years, 10 years, which is not enough, by the way. Once you have no teeth, you're, that, that bone changes and reshapes itself over, over time. And you need new dentures every like four to six years. But insurance will not cover that until it's been eight to 10 years with like decent insurances. And I always thought dentures were like the – like. A pretty good option. No, right? dentures are trash. They are absolute trash. I never knew that. Yeah. How, who knows that, right? Be, like, right I don't unless know. you get to that point where you need them, Yeah. you don't really realize your other options. Like this needs to be common knowledge that like when you have teeth in your head, you can chew 100% capacity 
just normal. Head. Yeah. <laughs> I say that because I, I, I take them out of people's heads. Yeah. So <laughs> they are your head. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you're like your chewing capacity with dentures, even like really good dentures is going to be about 15% of your 15, 15, 15% of your natural teeth. And it's going to take practice. Like you're going to be 70, 80, some of your odd years old. And if you didn't take maybe younger, if you didn't take good care of your teeth, Hopefully you never need to get to this point, um, but if you're getting into dentures at that point, now you need to relearn how to eat at this advanced age. You need to relearn how to speak with these dentures in. Like you need to relearn how to do basic human things that you were learning when you were three, four, five years old, and now you got to practice. I, I, I'll tell my patients when they get the new dentures, like if you're reading a text message, reading a newspaper, read out loud to yourself. It's going to take months of doing this before your mouth adapts to getting used to this. Wow. Yeah. And even like, they think, I've had people come in, it's like, I just want all my teeth pulled, give me dentures, I'm done dealing with my teeth. And I'm like, that's that's what you think is gonna happen? Like, it's gonna be so much easier <laughs> that you got your teeth out of the way? <laughs> like, you think, right? If, if you're having issues, I, I assume that these people are having some significant issues. Right. Right, with their teeth, but and spending like they, what they feel they're spending is all is a lot of money, right? right. And the the denture option seems like oh, it's I, the I cheap just one. I just spent I spent what is it like I don't know two three four thousand dollars for a denture it might be a little less than that. Okay, yeah. so we're looking somewhere in that range, and versus that'll the, be two dentures, top and bottom would be around that, maybe a little less, like three four. I would say probably three each or both total total. So. Versus the five hundred dollars for the cleanings plus whatever Fillings, else they're whatever having to get. Do, right. It seems like the easier option. Yeah, but until you try to function in your day to day life, you know, like like how just think about how often you use your teeth, and and even if when you don't realize you're using it, you're using it because of that face support we were talking about. Like it literally is holding your cheeks up. It is preventing you from biting yourself in in like certain areas. You. Lose a tooth, and that area of your mouth will legit look different. It'll sink because of the the bone loss that happens there. So if I got rid of my teeth, what happens to my jaw? Like the 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 actual bone. Yeah. What what ha- ends up happening? It'll it'll resorb down over time. The entire mandible was resorbed down. Not entirely, but I've seen some that are very very thin to the point where I look in the mouth and it's just flat. So it, it's it's flat all the way across on the bottom. Weird. And they're coming in for dentures, and I'll tell them, it's like, we can make you a denture, but it's just going to be, like, sitting on there. It's not going to stay in very well. It's not going to be comfortable. You're not going to be happy with it, but you'll have something. And usually they're okay with it at that point. But they've gotten themselves to the point where they hear me telling them that this is going to be shit. This is going to be a terrible experience, and they're still wanting it because they just want something. But, like, that's what the quality of life looks like when you have no teeth that even like a really shitty option is better than not having anything in there. And I just think it's sad that a lot of people don't think or think that they have that. It's inevitable, which is not. It is not inevitable at all to get to dentures. I always thought it was. Yeah, no, never. I thought that was like, the, like that's the normal progression of right. life. It's like you, you graduate into grandparenthood because you have dentures <laughs> yeah. now or something. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like... And, and, and like, do you really want to be struggling to eat and talk when you're advanced in age? Like, like, uh, that's, that's one of the motivations for me for the gym is like, I, I do really like being fit right now while I'm young, 
But a big motivator for this is this is going to pay dividends when I'm old. Like I'm, I'm doing this shit because I want to be able to walk when I'm 85. I want to be able to eat with my own teeth when I'm 85. So taking really good care of them right now, will pay dividends down the road. And like, oh, the hard part is for like, cause little kids get adult teeth. Oh, it drives me crazy, but it's an, that's just anatomy the way it happens. But now you got like a six, seven, eight year old brushing adult teeth. And unfortunately a lot of those kids don't take care of them enough. So then they get fillings, cavities. So they have to get fillings afterward. And then you have to take care of a filling for the rest of your life. That's an early age to get adult, adult teeth. teeth. Yeah. So whenever I have patients who are like, oh, my kid's like, he's eight years old and he hasn't lost a single baby tooth yet. I was like, good. Like, relax. This is a good thing. I'll show them the x-ray. Like, they're all there. All the, the teeth are there. The yeah. I'd rather have an eight, nine-year-old taking care of an adult tooth than a six-year-old. It's, it's only a couple years, but I mean, the, the development between those couple of years is tremendous. What age do most people get their adult teeth? They start at the age of six, usually. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's when your, your first molars will come in in the back, and usually the, the front teeth will come out around the age six. That's kind of sad. I was hoping for later. Right. Yeah. That'd be really nice. Like six, I don't know, it seemed like an early age that you were saying, but apparently that's normal. Yeah, it's normal. Um, and then it gets me really mad when these kids that are that age will come in and those, those adult teeth are just bombed out. Need a root canal on the permanent molar at the age of eight. <laughs> I get mad at the parents more so than the kid um, when that's the case because it's like this kid is still so young. You need to be at least observing them brush their teeth. Like you can't just be giving them full autonomy and just like, oh, you know, they take care of it. It's like they're six years old. They're, they're, they're not going to brush their teeth to the full extent. And if you're not watching, they're certainly not going to floss their teeth. <laughs> they forget to wipe their ass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. People, <laughs> yeah, some people take better care of their asshole than they will their teeth. Like. I think that's a legitimate yeah, statement. There, every right? time you go take a shit, you're going to wipe your ass. Yeah. And you don't brush your teeth once a day, at least. And you've put how much shit in their mouth? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's food. And it's like, that plaque is not food. The plaque on your teeth is actually bacteria plus bacteria shit. That's what it literally is. <laughs> so whenever you look in your mouth, you see that plaque all around. Don't think that's food because it's not food. You can, you can drink a bunch of Gatorades and you will get plaque everywhere because it's loaded with sugar. And, and the bacteria in there will eat that sugar and shit out acid. And then that starts to erode away the teeth. And that's basically how plaque gets created. Fun fact. Stay with for Fun sugar. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> Brush your teeth because it's the same thing as wiping your ass. You got to clean that shit off. But even then, it's still not enough, right? Like if if I never went to the dentist but brushed twice a day and flossed, could I still – could I mitigate or de- – like would I be able to completely eliminate plaque or is it bound to happen? I mean you could if you're really good about it and you're using good technique and like – What is good technique? That's again, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't know what good technique looks like. Because they think they just brush their teeth. So, and a lot of people just do it absentmindedly as well. They just kind of toothbrush in and, duh, 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 and spit and done. It's like, did you actually like... Two minutes. Do two minutes? Or did you actually like cognizantly brush every surface of all of your teeth? And I frankly, I didn't even do that until I was in dental school. And like was properly taught the technique. And now I start here on that top right side, work all the way across the front, do the, the tops of the teeth. Then I do the back side of the top and then switch to the bottom and repeat the whole process over again. So it's three passes on both sides to get front, top, and back. Front, top, and back. I do. I, 
I I have the the Sonicare like the electric thing. one. Yeah, and for the longest time, I had it probably. I've had it for I don't know. I've had like four or five, maybe five years or so. Mm-hmm. And it would it would like shut off in the middle of the the thing, right? Like you're you're brushing and then like it has a, a short stoppage like and timer. then. Yeah, and but I didn't realize it was a fucking timer. Yeah, and so I'm just like, why does this thing suck so much? Out. Why does it stop? <laughs> like, I just need it to go. Yeah, and it's like, there's a fucking timer there for you, so you don't fuck it up. Yeah. So some of them they'll oh, do I've like been fucking it up. Yeah, <laughs> with the timer. They'll do like 30 second timers, I think, and they'll do like a little pause. So 30 yep. seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. I do quarters. So, okay. So I do 30 seconds in the quarter. Yeah. And I do like bottoms sides and then backs and then i will like go up like like i don't know if this is my tooth and i'm going like this yeah. along the entire thing but then i wonder how much of force do i have to put versus how much is the vibration actually doing the work for me yeah with the electric ones i mean honestly the amount of force should be pretty gentle most people push okay. too damn hard okay um, i'm pushing too hard then yeah some of those electric ones actually have a pressure sensor so if you push it'll actually start to it'll alert you you're pushing too hard um, I don't know which one that is. If it's a Sonicare, like I got one a nice for one. my my partner, and she, I don't know, has an app that comes with the whole fucking thing. <laughs> you just set up your phone, and it'll tell you like which ones that you're brushing like not enough or too much or yeah. how to shift your you know what it'll, I don't know maybe it's that same one that could be do. I don't know it's a fucking two hundred dollar fucking right <laughs> too crazy it's a two hundred dollar toothbrush yeah yeah they are nice and like at least you don't have to replace the head but even the head replacements are like 60 bucks they're expensive yeah so expensive yeah could i just manually i use a manual toothbrush really mm-hmm. but i also have really good technique and i know what to look for and i do it all correctly but i do use the manual one um i do floss obviously i floss before i brush that's another thing i tell uh, my patients to do um, i don't think it makes a huge difference in terms of like the actual hygiene but I think most people like brush and then they want to get in bed. Like I get that. I, I don't want to floss after I brush. Same, yeah. For um, sure. Especially if you're getting blood from flossing, it's like, man, I got a bloody mouth now. Um, and it kind of makes sense in my head, at least. Like floss first, loosen up any gunk between the teeth, and then you're gonna brush it all off. And that makes sense. And right, it, it seems to make more logical sense. And then that's that's a way to like change the um, expected order of things, such that that habit will be more likely to be created. If you're always thinking brush, floss, brush, floss, and then all of a sudden you're doing floss, brush, that's different. So now you're more likely to actually let that habit stick after doing it for a couple weeks. And then you're already doing it just like you're brushing with intention rather than just absentmindedly going around. It's easy to get absentminded though. Very easy. But after a little while, you probably just kind of do it now, right? After after two weeks of me really thinking about it, now I'm just kind of going, going, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I definitely was following that, that same route. Just like when you're driving to work or something, and then you realize, oh shit, I'm driving. Like it, it becomes like absent-minded, but you've created that habit that is cognizant. Um, yeah, it's a good thing to learn about for sure. I feel like I never learned about tooth health, but yeah, at all. I mean, yeah, the only reason that I really feel like I, I even have a better understanding, even with a dentist. Is because of these conversations. Right. Yeah. And I always ask people at the office, like my patients, is like, do you have any questions? I ask that many times because I know people have questions and a lot of them don't ask me their questions. Um, but sometimes after like a third asking, do you have any, any more questions here? They'll finally come up. Yeah. You know, can you show me brushing technique? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Let me show you like the proper way to hold the toothbrush and angling it and everything. And then they'll start to ask more questions. And I was like, I knew you had questions. 
we just had to kind of break down those barriers first. I will sit there in a chair and like any questions, it's like, well, not any that I can really think of in this moment. Right. So no, I guess <laughs> like, and then you get home or you listen to a podcast or you see uh, something on TikTok and you're like, right. well, fuck. Like, now I got questions. Yeah, now I got questions. <laughs> and then you go to the dentist later, six months later, you're like, no, I don't have any questions. <laughs> yeah. So something I've been trying to work on is like, like bringing that up earlier on, be like, I'm sure you have questions. I'm still doing my exam. Use this time to think, you know, and I don't want you to put on the pressure. Like, you have a question right now? <laughs> um, so then at the end, I'll ask you again if you've got questions. And if you came up with any, we'll be ready to, to answer those questions. Um, but yeah, like back to the toothbrushes as well. Um, soft bristles. Don't get medium or hard. Those will cause gum recession. Um, the soft ones feel plenty firm. It's not like you're brushing with nothing. Like, yeah. it, it feels plenty firm. And then if you're... If you see your toothbrush head, those little bristles flaring outward, you're pushing too hard. There you go. <laughs> That's me. I have one in the shower and I have one that it sits at my, like, my, my, what's it called? Um, uh, vanity. My little vanity Yeah, thing. whatever. Um, and when I'm in the shower, I'll, I usually do one brush. I do, like, a two-step process thing that, with the, whatever the fuck thing I bought. Yeah. Um, so I'll do one in the shower and I do one with my, my vibrating toothbrush or electrical toothbrush at the vanity the one inside the the shower, shower is fucking like all the destroyed. way bent. yeah destroyed <laughs> bent to like the very ends and i'm like man I, I just i think it's an old toothbrush but it's not really that old i'm just apparently pushing, <laughs> pushing too hard out. yeah i mean they should also be replaced every six months or so yeah this thing's not six months old <laughs> yeah okay then you're pushing too hard <laughs> Like, that's like really too hard. Yeah. Fuck. It's like one that people are like cleaning like auto stuff with and they've been smashing it on the engine. That's kind of what I feel like I should be doing. Like I got to fucking clean those Get into things. the grout. <laughs> like, that's what I'm there to do, right? I think. That's what you'd think, but no. Uh, like really plaque. You don't need that much. No. Unless if you haven't I brushed. I bleed almost every, like I fucking like, fuck, I'm in there. Yeah. It's probably because you're pushing too hard. You don't need to be bleeding. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> like, like, you, Take notes. Yeah, doesn't need to happen. Some people will bleed because of gum disease. But if I use the like the mechan or the electrical one, no bleeding. No bleeding. If I'm in the shower scrubbing, yeah, I'm bleeding for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're pushing too hard with that, with that toothbrush. <laughs> cool. Good. Noted. But yeah, like with like plaque, unless if it's been on there for forty eight hours, it's not going to be like solid. So it, it comes off with gentle pressure. So if you're brushing twice a day, you're going to get all of it off, you know, with just regular, regular pressure. I like my water pick as well. I just got that a month ago. Um, so I've been incorporating that for my cleaning too. Um, that works really good for people with braces too, or like the lingual bars and stuff after braces to clean around those. And that helps to like get in between the teeth, some of that gunk that you might not be able to get with your toothbrush. So you don't need to be like feeling like you're going to push so hard. Um, are, ling, ling, are you talking lingual bars as in tier piercings? No, no, no. Like they, they, after you get braces, you get like a bar, like a retainer, okay. a, a fixed uh. retainer on those lower teeth. Um, it's, it sits on the lingual side of the tooth. That's lingual bar. Um, so you got to floss underneath that thing between each individual tooth. So it's really annoying. Water pick can be a lot faster for getting in between there. And like I said, for getting in between the teeth where the toothbrush might not go so well, um, just helps to clean off all that shit. But if I'm pushing hard, then, I, then my bristles are getting into all weird crevices, right? You think so. <laughs> Except for when you push hard. Are those bristles going in or are they going outward? <laughs> so, valid, valid, valid. Yeah. When you actually want to get them in the gums, it's just light pushing, 
Um, but yeah. Fair point. Well, I think a lot of people don't brush twice a day, which that's, I like when people are honest with me about that at the office. They're like, I brush every other day or once a day. And I was like, I tell them, thank you for being honest with me about that. And not just being like, yeah, twice a day, two minutes floss twice a day. And I'm like, <laughs> A plus. Now let me look in your mouth. No, you're not doing that. Like, <laughs> like it is true when Dennis asks you that question, we, we have a decent idea about whether or not you're being honest with us or not based on what's going on in your mouth. And no, you cannot brush your teeth the morning of going to the dentist and fool us into thinking that you don't have gum disease because if there's problems, we're going we're gonna to find it. It's not just like, oh, the teeth are clean today, so they must be brushing really good. No, there's other things going on. <laughs> they, they got it all off right. today. Yeah. They fixed it, all the issues. Right. Their gums are all red and puffy for some reason, but I don't see any <laughs> plaque around here. So <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what's going on. What does gum disease look like? Like if I'm at home, is it just – the brushing that and like and then the the subsequent bleeding that is gum disease. Yeah, so people get upset when they go to the dentist and we're checking the gums and the gums bleed and they're like it's bleeding because you stabbed it. And it's like I didn't stab it. I touched it with a piece of metal and it bled. It's comparable to like if you washed your hands and your cuticle started bleeding and then you got upset about that. It's like you probably should wash your hands a little more regularly because <laughs> something's going on with your. Your cuticles there, that, that's not a normal thing. It's a good analogy. Yeah, like your gums should not bleed when we just touch them. Because I'm, I'm not stabbing them. This thing's not, I mean, it comes to a point, but not like a sharp point. It comes to a rounded end so that we can observe. It's We call it a perioprobe, um, but it's not a sharp device. I, there's no stabbing going on. Um, I've taken it and I've touched it on people's fingers. Be like, it's th- this is not sharp. And they're like, you're stabbing. I'm, I promise you I'm not doing that. I'll give them a mirror sometimes too so they can watch me do it. And that, that sometimes is helpful because a lot of people, they, you have no idea what I'm doing in your mouth. Yeah. If I give you a mirror, you can see what I'm doing. And it, it one, relaxes some people. Some people don't like to, they don't want to see anything. <laughs> so that's, that's fine. Like, don't use the mirror then. You don't have to look. But for the others, they can actually see. It's like, and I'm just touching. I'm not, I'm, I'm not putting no force. It is just the weight of the instrument itself, which is not, it's this tiny little handheld metal thing. And I'm just letting the weight of it go in between the teeth. And if you're like, oh, or bleeding a lot, you got gum disease going on there. And usually you can see it as well. The gums are puffy. They're red. Healthy gums have a stippled look to them. So kind of like a a basketball, but much more micro, obviously, for for being on the gums. Could I see that if I was at home? And like, probably. Yeah. Like look in the mirror. And that's another thing too. I was like, after you brush your teeth, look at them. You know, look look in the mirror and actually like, actually look at them. Don't just, looks good. No, like observe and look along the gum line. And, and like, that's what I do after I brush and I'll see like, oh, I missed that spot. Okay. And I'll, and I'll get that, that no one way. spot a little more. Yeah. You can see it. I do know what to look for. So I, I do have that advantage. I, you know, I've done years of experience doing this. I look at everybody else's mouths all day, you know, but look but if, in you, your, if you practice on your own mouth, practice it. Yeah. Become familiar with your own mouth. Like there are so many times I tell people about something going on in their mouth. Like, I had no idea that was there. And I was like, this has been in your mouth for 38 years. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you did it. No right, right. There. I was like, you know, your tooth over here is completely backwards. And he's like, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well now you know. <laughs> like, or, or this one is, is facing completely into your cheek. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah. You never did this and like looked inside of your own mouth. <laughs> a lot of people don't. I, I, I went to go get my teeth whitened at this one place and they were like, huh, it seems like you have a kicked out tooth on this right side. And I yeah. was like, 
They're like, what? Fuck, I have a kicked out tooth on that side. And now <laughs> like, I'm obsessed about it. It's like, wow, it really has been. I never noticed that it was kicked out. Yeah. He's like, well, do you want that fixed too? He's like, well, no, not right now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm good. I don't really do I need it. Like, is it that significant? I was like, well, maybe we should look into getting it fixed. Yeah. It's like, fuck. <laughs> they focus on cosmetics. It's their thing. So That's it was, fair. It was a good thing that they were like, it was a good selling point for them, obviously. Like, yeah. Notice it that I didn't notice and then they pointed out like, huh, by the way. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, a good place to look if you are looking at your own teeth is right along the gum line. Like those, if you can imagine where that is, where that, that gum to tooth interface is, look at that, those little lines. Uh, make sure there's no plaque in between there because a lot of people, again, when they brush their teeth, they put the toothbrush perpendicular to the teeth like this. Toothbrush it. I want those bristles angled towards the gums because what your teeth do, they actually get narrower as you approach the gum line. So if you put it just perpendicular, all that plaque on the gum line where the tooth is narrower is not going to get removed because it's not actually going to get hit by the bristles. You angle it towards the gum line, now you're going to run it right along that ridge and actually brush away where that plaque is. So that's, that's part of the brushing technique. Cool. 45 degrees angled towards the gums. Good notes. There you go. For, and I think, personally, this, like, I'm going to get nuggets out of here, but hopefully... Someone who's listening that like maybe either like can't afford it or like just just didn't fucking know. Right. We'll we'll be able like, to actually huh? do that. Look at that. Yeah. And then like you you point at the microphone, your teeth are three dimensional. You know, it's not just the front and the, the chewing surface. There's a there's a tongue side of that tooth as well. You gotta brush that side of the tooth too. I hate that it's so. lingual. I, I think posterior, but <laughs> I get it. On the on the top we call it palatal, because it's on the palate. That at all. <laughs> we got all kinds of weird words. There's a lot of terminology specific to the mouth and jaw. Yeah, that's true. It's so unique. Like for someone that even in, in anatomy and physiology, like I don't get really in this space, but then you start talking about some shit. I'm like, damn, that's a lot. Yeah. One, one that you will understand this one, you know, distal further from the midline. So we still use that line, but we don't use medial. We use mesial. And the, it's the same idea, same exact idea, but the, the reason why is because your mouth here curves. So it's, if medial, it would always be on that inside part. It's not always where we want it to be. That's why we have those other terms where we kind of took the whole mouth and flattened it and made it mesial rather than medial because medial for this back tooth is now into the palate, not on this next molar, if that makes sense. So then if... If my next tooth is here, and if it's a molar, uh -huh. then mesial is this way, not towards the tongue. So mesial, mesial and distal are always in between the teeth. If that, even though it curves here, mesial is always going to be the front side, closer to the midline of the tooth. The because, distal will be the further back. So just like a joint. Yeah. Right. Distal from the joint is distal to the distal from the the tooth. Like still talking about this. Joints, right. but just distal from that. Right. But if I go from this molar to this one, this is the mesial side of that further back tooth. But if I'm talking medial, I'm going from here further into my mouth. Yeah. Into okay. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that, that's why we, we changed that that vernacular yeah, there. I would use medial as in more towards the midline. Right. right. Toward, towards the, the, the midline, the right. body. Which midline would be into the palate, not into the next tooth. With, with that. that, that threw me off for a long time. I was like, why are we using a different word here? And then someone told me, I was like, oh. And it's just close okay. enough that it's upsetting. Yes. And I was I'd like, rather it be entirely completely different. Completely different word. <laughs> I would, I would rather it be entirely different 
Mesial. Mesial rather than medial. Yeah. And plus, we're learning anatomy of, of the body and of the mouth. So we, you can't call it the mesial, whatever part of the joint. It's the medial one. You got to use the right, uh, not vowel, uh, consonant. Um, <laughs> Is that? Yeah, I guess consonant. Yeah. 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 God, just one consonant. Yeah. Switch the S to a D. Otherwise, you're going to get the question wrong. <laughs> and they will have that other answer on there. Of course. So. Of course. That's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. So how has it been since our last conversation was about um, switching topics here a little yeah. bit from, from teeth to back to kind of religious things? How has your experience outside of the religion been so far these last like six months or so? I mean, at this point, the religion's not super part of my experience, my day-to-day experience. The Where it comes up is just my conversations with family. And that most of them is with me and my sister, her and I, we use the app Marco Polo to send little videos back and forth. So we're constantly talking about family issues and, and things like that. And she has, I talked in the last podcast about self ostracizing myself from the family to kind of do some self discovery and just to be away from all that influence. Um, and that's what she's currently doing as she's separated herself from the immediate family kind of cutting off a lot of contact with most of them, me being an exception because I'm completely different vibe-wise from the rest of the family. Um, so we'll, t- we'll chat about church stuff every now and then, and I'll still give her my opinions, and she'll give me hers, and we definitely disagree about, you know, the, the, the church part of things, and she attributes a lot of our family issues to more, like, mental health problems that weren't addressed, things with the parents that, you know, that their mental health was kind of our responsibility as kids, um, like which that. is not untrue. That is, that is okay. true to the way that we grew up. But I also attribute a lot of that shit to the religion and to them being part of this religion that raised them to be that way and kind of encourages those types of behaviors. And that's where she'll kind of pull back. She doesn't agree with that. She thinks it's not the religion. It's just the other the other stuff. So, But we're perfectly amicable about it. It's, uh, it's always a good agree to disagree kind of thing, but I'm interested in what your perspective is and, and why you think that way. It's, it's, we, we communicate well. I like that that, that, that that communication exists, and I feel like it should exist among more, more topics. It's nice that it's in this specific, like you can you have a relationship that's already been built that you can content, like continue to build off of, yeah. and there's that communication that's allowed to happen, but if it's around finances, if it's around religion, if it's around sexual preferences, like... It's like, I don't, that's not for me, but why are you thinking that way? Right. Right? Like, it's not like I need to think your same way, but I can have a conversation with you that's respectful and still come to some sort of shaking hand or some sort of drinking beer kind of kind of vibe yeah. that is ultimately beneficial for both individuals when you go off on your own way, even if it is ultimately a disagreement. Yeah. And we say that a lot in those Marco Polo chats we're sending to each other. We're saying like, I'm so happy that we're having this type of conversation because it just did not happen in our family. Any conversation like that was painted as bringing up the past, or trying to create problems, being sensitive. She'll use all these words as well because she's been painted as that type of person from our family for a long time. Um, you got to watch what you say. You got to walk on eggshells around Melissa, which these things aren't true, but you do that to somebody to take away their capacity to have a voice, you know, and, and she's keyed in on that and realizing that and just like, yeah, that, that, that shit happened to me for my entire childhood, basically. And that shit's not okay. And she's completely right about that. Um, 
I kind of hope that this separating herself from the family will snowball into her acquiring more independence and whether or not that means her eventually leaving the church. I mean, that's, that's my personal biased vision of, I would like that to happen, but she'll, she'll gain independence regardless, even if she stays in the church or not. What a risk to take. You know, I mean, we know we talked about it about you last time, but like, it seems like it's a risk, right? It seems, well, seems you're in the moment like it. that, it, that it's a risk, but obviously you've kept a relationship, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of people that, I mean, maybe less on that because it's more of an accepted thing that where people can come out and be, be openly gay. Right. Um, it's, it's still this like, what if... And mm-hmm. what if they don't accept me anymore? What 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 do I do? Or what who who do I stay with? Whether it be a religion or a friend group or um, your sexual preference. Like, if I come out and say this thing, and they no longer want to associate with me for a short period of time, I think typically, like even though not knowing it's a for a short period period of time, it's there's this like weird dis- discomfort and then it kind of dissipates and you're like, okay, well then let's come and like emotions are kind of gone. Like let's, let's talk about this a little more rationally. It's important to be able to even just, just to have that voice. Yeah. And, and she's making some of those realizations along this journey already. Um, like there's a, a potential trip coming up for our family. My mom's turning 60. So nice. um, she's wanting us all to get together in Florida where my oldest sister is with all the kids um, and to do like a little, party for her. Um, Melissa's not really thinking she's going to go to that. Um, and she's got the best, she's in nursing school right now. And this is in October. It's not like, there's not a, a day off of school in October. So like, she does not need to be at this event. Um, but the family, like there's already like more pressure on her being put on her. And it's like, if you don't go, it's going to be like a bad, it's going to paint things the wrong way. And I was like, I'm looking, sitting here and I'm like, I was in dental school for four years and I missed every single family event during that four year period. And none of y'all said shit because I was busy in dental school. Like you all understood that. And I, my family has a lot of dentists. They also have a lot of nurses. So they, they've, they've been through both of these programs. They know that she's busy, but intensely. Yeah. Like, but, but they're not going to give her that same leeway. And I like, don't like that. yeah, but so she's picked up on that and she's like, yeah, that mom was not too, uh, keen on whatever was going on and she was like okay well the ball's in your court basically like you can communicate me now with it whenever you want to I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore and and she was like not too long ago that would have devastated me I'm okay good for her yeah and I was like that's awesome I was like you are you're taking care of you and that is that is the way that it should be because they they don't have your back clearly and, and that, that's, it's sad. And, you know, she spent plenty of time crying over things like that, as did I, is that I went through similar, like, recollections with my family. And she's come to the conclusion, similar one that I've come to, is that our relationship with our parents, at least, will be as surface level or as deep as they want it to be. Because I'm not going to share with them parts of my life that I know is just going to make them upset. So... My only rule, my rule with them is like, I will tell you whatever you want. You just got to ask, but then be careful what you ask. Cause I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Cause like, if you don't want to know the answer to that question, then don't ask the question. And I know there's plenty of questions they do not want to know the answer to. So they're not going to really know me to, to a full extent. And that's basically what she said. It was like, 
my relationship with my mom is very super superficial. Like she does not know me. And I was like, yeah, it's probably going to stay that way. That's, that's, that's the way my relationship is with them as well. And it's, it's sad, but also I have so many other relationships that are so much deeper that people actually know me and I know them and we can communicate and talk and it's, things are just easier and, and there's no sort of like expectations. Um, I, I feel sorry for my parents because they don't have that sort of relationship with other people. That's like, that's what relationships are about. I, yeah. Like, you know, in, in my opinion, it's like, it, it is your own life. And like, if it's, it's such a weird thing to be scared of asking the question. Yeah. And getting the, the honest answer. I feel like it is a sad thing. I am the opposite where like, if my par- I don't care if my parents ask or don't. Like there was a time where I kept, on, know. I kept on hiding everything and yeah. I just didn't feel good about it. And then I was like, I'm going to just like, yep. Like I had, I had some, some, some shrooms in the, in the drawer Yeah. and my parents are here and my, my, I was like, how we can like eat shrooms tonight or whatever. And I was like with my, my sister and my dad and they were like, oh, well, don't say that, whatever. And I was like, no, really. Like I opened the drawer and I put them on the table. I was like, I got shrooms. If you guys want to do shrooms? Like everyone take a little bit. And they're like, Ben, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, no? Okay. That sounds good. I'll put it back. But like, you're going to, you guys are going to go home and even if you got mad and you took them away from me, I can go find them. Right. I, I will got get them, them back. Initially. Yeah. I'm going to go get – if I really want them that bad, you're not going to stop me. Yeah. And maybe it's 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 disrespectful in some sorts of ways. But at the same time, I grew up with the, like the – my house, my rules. Right. Right? And so this last weekend, it was that same idea. It was like, <laughs> this is my house. My rules. My rules. <laughs> yeah. Like I forgot what it was about, but like my mom didn't want to go like grab something or do something. It was something – it, I didn't like tell her to go grab something. I forgot what exactly it was, but it was in that same realm. She's like, um, I don't like, that's not something we have to do here. I was like, no, that is what, that is part of my house. You're in my, my house. house. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I guess you're right. All right. Huh? Damn right I am. But it was still like a, fuck you. Right. Like it was like a snarky, like, yeah, okay. But. <laughs> out of spite. Out of, how many times I was growing up and they were like, no, it's whenever you have your house, then you can have your rules. Right. But right now you're in my fucking house with my fucking rules. Okay. Now, all right. The day is here. The day is here. <laughs> eat it. Yeah. We're going to eat shrooms all together. Yes. House rules. Everyone's going to trip balls. Lock in this door. You're eating mushrooms. <laughs> but it's hopefully, maybe, I don't know if one way is the better or right or wrong way. And ultimately it depends on the situation. But I just wish that we could be more honest with more people in our lives and it'd still be accepted. But it's, and then especially with such a close, like with your immediate family, parents, it's like you would hope you would hope, but it's also like, it should be normalized that even sometimes your parents aren't going to be your best friends or your, like the people that you can really confide in. And maybe that's sad in some people's eyes, but then at the same time, like probably truth. For most people, right? Like your parents are, they're at least one generation, obviously ahead of you. There's that age gap and other things. And they, they're going to see you as their kid forever. I understand that. There's going to be at some point they have to let you be an adult. And I think that's at least with my parental experience, they really struggled with actually seeing us as adults and like getting to know us as individual people. And yeah, if I tried the the mushroom thing at my house, they'd probably leave. They'd probably <laughs> honestly like, we're gonna go get a hotel. 
<laughs> just for having them in the house. Damn. Not even like taking them. Like they're in this house. We're leaving. <laughs> like okay. Damn. Yeah. My, my, I think my mom and dad saw, and he was just like. <sighs> But it's, I've had that conversation with him at this point where it's like, you know, I've, I've done drugs in my life and this is just the reality. I can't go back. And right. I, it, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I've had my experiences. I am who I am now because of those things. And, yeah. like, you can either accept it or you cannot. And he's like, yeah, I'm more accepting than your mother is. That's fair. Okay. My dad, a couple of years ago, I think this was over COVID, actually, because I did quarantine at their house. Um, That's wild. Yeah, we were. That was three years ago. That was three years ago. That's it's crazy. Insane. It's crazy. <laughs> well, we can just talk about. It. I did quarantine. <laughs> it was a normal human experience. Um, but yeah, so I was there. We were probably out doing some hike somewhere, and and somehow we were having a little bit of conversation. It might have drifted into to weed, um, and and his only thing he said about it was like, um, I don't know if you smoke weed anymore. You know, I, I hope not. And then just kind of walked away, and I was like. Did you want to talk about? Did you want to know? Did you want to talk about it? Because I, I definitely do. <laughs> like, in your basement, <laughs> like earlier today. I am currently high. Yeah, I am right, right now. I'm going on a walk in Oregon, a hike. I'm going to be high. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I can't imagine. I can't imagine those hikes. Just oh, gorgeous. So beautiful. I don't know that I'd be able to walk on some Oregon weed, but, you know, oh. like. <laughs> yeah. You need to get, like, the low-end ones that are all, like, the joints that have less THC in it so you can just still enjoy the nature. The, the pre-rolled joints. But even those pre-rolled joints are They're grand, huge. Dude. They're huge. Oh, man. I cannot finish a full one in, in a single walk. If I light it, I'm gonna finish it yeah that's it. <laughs> it's it started we are down this path and i get way too far in and i'm like i don't know if i should have smoked all that i don't know I feel all for... the paranoia for that last like little bit starting to sink in oh dude it, yeah like in the halfway through you already paranoid you're like well i gotta finish like i already started see i hit the halfway and then i put it back in that little capsule and cap it so it just suffocates and then i got another j for my next walk a little that's, later in the day that's probably the, the right way to go about it i I just feel like if I if I turn it off, then that tip of the ash is going to be bad, and when I relight it, it's not going to taste as good. True, though you do lose a little bit of it on that that end. But when I was living at my parents' house for the quarantine, I was like, I can be high, but I don't want to be that. I don't want to be paranoid. I'm not trying to paranoy myself being in their basement and yeah. So so many times I'd go home, and I think towards the end of my smoking days, just be. <laughs> just, just sit in this room and just be okay for a little bit. Yeah, like nobody come in. <laughs> just some wild times. I, I tripped on LSD one time, and my I felt like my parents knew. And was this at their house? It was. I I was at another friend's house, and I drove. It ended up like going into the morning, and yeah, it lasts a long it lasts time. A long time. Long and, time. We, we, and I couldn't get out kind of the house until later, right? And you can't sleep. You can't sleep, and mm. so we take it at like nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night. Oh goddamn, you're, you're yeah, fucked. Yeah, yeah. And then you're, so then you're screwed, right? <laughs> yeah. You can lay down, no, but you're not going to bed. You're not sleeping. No. And so I show up to their house, like back to back home at night. I was like, "What's like an accurate time that I'd be home?" You know, like trying to play. <laughs> What's normal? <laughs> What's, normal? <laughs> What's normal? Exactly. And you show up. Like, 9.30. Why are you home so early? Fuck no. Oh, it was too early. <laughs> Should have stayed later. And I was like, damn it, I could have I drank water. Still different size pupils. <laughs> like, 
And I went, I was like, oh, you know, just, I got up early and like walked straight into the room. And then like my mom comes in with my sisters and like, do you smell the way it smells in here? And I'm like, I could feel her breath being like sucked in, like my air being sucked into her. It's like she knows. She's inhaling my essence. I just want to watch TV. I'm just going to lay here and watch TV. What are you guys still doing here? Are you up right? Like, (laughs) and you're still tripping. (laughs) <laughs> way tripping. And I was just like, I just want to exist. Please, everyone leaves me alone. Get out of my room. The vibes in here are off. <laughs> <laughs> These are not the vibes. <laughs> as soon as that door closes, though, like, immaculate vibes. <laughs> it's crazy how that works. It is. It's crazy. It, I think you go in, I think, like, you leave the high, or, like, you, you're sobered up and, like, you're in like, regular life. And, you know, people say, like, oh, like I don't like the vibe you're giving off. Like, it's, it can sound very, like, Western, like, California kind of mindset. But yeah. it, it, there's a thing with people's it's vibes. It's, it's real. It's fucking real, man. And my experience with psychedelics has helped me, like, tune into that when I'm not high, when I'm not using them. Just in my day-to-day life, I can kind of tune into vibes better because of these experiences where it's like, no, my intuition was right about that energy feeling different and, like, I should – be aware of that cautious or ask something or whatever the case may be like that, that I don't know that, that intuition now is just heightened. I think that <clears throat> I need water. Um, it definitely can be. And at the same time, there can be paranoia. That's not true. And I think differentiating between those two things is a very fine and hard line. Yeah. And sometimes I lose myself in the paranoia where I'm like, no, this is like, this is one of those intuition things. Like I'm getting some weird vibes off this person. And then you sober up or you talk to somebody else or you talk to that person. Like, like, well, I got this vibe from you that you were like really angry with me the other day. Yeah. And I'll be like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, cool. And then like, mind. <laughs> I won't say never mind anymore. Okay. I will tell the individual why it's okay. like this is what i got off of you i'm i guess i just read it wrong did i like is that a is that some like a mannerism or thing that you just normally do like what was it if it's if it's a if it's a relationship that i want to grow right. then i'm going to push that that next piece figure it out i'm going to figure that out because it's going to be if it's going to be something that potentially pops up next time that they, this is just the way they react like in this situation or something. or something that they didn't really realize i actually i was really upset about work the other day and i didn't really understand like how to deal with it Right. And I wanted to hang out to kind of disassociate from it, and then it, it ended up working out, so I'd rather talk about it, right? right. I, you kind of teach them that they can't just disassociate. It's something that you got to talk about, right? Right. And it's like, hey, I'm a homie. We're friends. Like, you can talk to me about it. Because then if not, then I fucking feel – I feel that energy. I feel that energy being off. So, yeah. like, talk to me about it, you know? Or where it's not off and it's just I was being weird, and yeah. that's okay too, right? I, I – our brains build these like systems to make things faster. They see patterns and then can like will keep to try to keep us safe. They will say, you know, like if they do X, Y, and Z in this order, you don't even have to think about it. It's like your brain has seen that somewhere and it was a no go. Mm-hmm. So then now you get a not good feeling when that person, that a new person may have done the same thing that has the exact opposite intentions, but right. your brain has already created a pattern. I guess you could call that trauma, right? Yeah. Um, they, it's created some sort of trauma response. It's a trauma cycle. And like stepping out of that trauma cycle is sometimes so hard and it can only be done with that asking why, or like, this is what I got off of you. What do you think? 
I'll say, I think that part that you do is probably the hardest part is being able to actually pinpoint what it was that somebody did. Cause I think that takes a lot of introspection to actually be like, this was the thing that sent me down that path and not just like, I don't know. I decided the vibes were off. I don't know. I felt weird, you know, and with nondescript rather than like, actually like this thing here, that piece, you know, you have, it takes a lot of introspection, I think, to actually be able to pinpoint that. But that is certainly part of that, that development and to be able to, yeah, maintain those, those relationships and to help people maybe realize these little things they might not even be aware that they're doing. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with therapy. Like Facts. if I wouldn't have gone through, I mean, I've been in therapy probably like at least like eight, six to eight years or something like that. I don't know. The math yeah. is not often. Three plus uh, six. So I've been for nine years. Okay. I've been in therapy for nine years. And I think that it, like all those little details like mattered, right? And yeah. I think also I'm a detail-oriented individual. And so like the little things will just be like, mm, I don't know. Right. And like I, I will go home and think about interactions for days and like try to pick apart individual pieces of that interaction and think, well, what did I do or what did I say that would have elicited a response either on a macro or micro scale? What environment have I created around the specific relationship? And then what are my insecurities now that I've created this environment, right? Yeah. Or how does that person react to me because of the way I've reacted 10, 20, 30 times in the past? Right. And so are they reacting because – because they sense my insecurity because that's the way I've reacted out of an anger outburst whenever they were trying to do this certain thing, right? They were trying to tell me to tell me to clean, right? And I don't like being told to clean. That's not really a real example, but um, it's a fair one. Most it's, it can be a that. Uh, yeah, it's most people can. I don't know if I have one off the top of my head, but I wish I did. Um, if Nobody likes to be told to do something they were just about to do. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, well, fuck. I was just about to do these dishes. And you just told me to do them. Exactly. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a great one, right? So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll. Oh man, I forgot. Last last thought. So I'll take that that little. That, oh man, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take that piece. It's like, well, why did I get mad about that little that little thing? And kind of like not only ask myself, but then like tell them, hey, this is or like. If I've consistently gotten mad about that that certain situation, and then I like they're not gonna want to like say it, but then it can kind of feel like they're not very happy about it, and they're doing the dishes like you motherfucker, like, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, "Hey, what's wrong? Nothing, you dumb bitch." Like, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I've I've done this. Right. Like, this is something that's built the environment. up. Environment. This is the environment I've created. Yeah, I think that's really important. What you're doing is you're not taking your end result in your own head. This person's upset with me. That's that was what kind of kicked out of the whole thing off, and then you assumed they're mad at me. You know, you you don't draw that equivalent. You dial it back to the environment and then actually look at the environment and like, what happened? They might not be upset with me. You know, that, that's, that felt like my reality. That's not theirs. So I'm actually going to look at the details of what that interaction looked like, pick up on things that were different, and then communicate about it. Super healthy approach to, to, to that. And you're right. Therapy certainly is huge for that. I've done four, five years of therapy and I need to go back. Honestly, I haven't been for three years now or so. And I, I can tell there, there's some things that have like built up in my own like psychology and in my relationships with other people and, and things like that, where it's like, I need to go and be actively talking to somebody about my own life. I think it's good to do in stints. Like I'll do, there's like the last probably like two, three years, one, two, probably like the last three years I've gone through like three months of a therapist and then like three months off. Yeah. 
and then again, three months, and then three. Like I'll go through these little cycles where I get to a point where I'm like, ah, okay, I can exist again. Right. And then like you, you like you feel like you have all these things kind of like established or at least like put together. You have, uh, yeah, you have most things put together, and I think we all like you do. You do, yeah. In that moment. In that moment, and then there's as life goes on. You will experience new issues and then reoccur- and then you'll notice patterns or reoccurrences of issues yeah. and be like, okay, now I don't know how to get past this one. Right. Okay, now I need help. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if it's good to be proactive with it and constantly with a therapist or if it's good to like – they've given you tools. Use those tools. Now, shit, I've hit a, a roadblock. Let me go, go, to, back. go back and revisit and use those tools. So the times there's been in – in therapy where I've been talking with someone for the last month about the same shit. And I'm like, okay, I fucking get it. Like you got it. I got it. We know the, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, okay, what else you want to talk about today? And it's like, well, I can talk about something like I've already kind of dealt with it. If you really want some information, because I've had a new therapist or we can like, can we just revisit? Yeah, we can just, you can decrease your time like once a month or once every couple months. Perfect. And then at that point, you know, we'll make that move. But, Definitely have been in therapy makes a big difference with those details in our lives, I think. I think so, too. And I think it there's something super healthy about having time set apart during your week or your month. If it's once a week, once a month, whatever the case may be, where you're going to go into a space that's peaceful, quiet, calm, and you're going to talk to somebody who's not judgmental at all, and you're going to be introspective because you're talking about yourself and your own life and really looking within and like, I don't think a lot of us give ourselves enough time to actually do that. Like we don't set time apart to like meditate and journal and write things down. And I think a lot of those are pretty therapeutic and meditative. Therapy itself is, I think, even more beneficial than those things. Even if you're journaling and meditating, you probably still are going to need to go talk to someone every now and then. Just because it's nice to get ideas from other people as well. Especially people who are trained in psychology and are there to be your 100% advocate. Like they, they, they're not there to be on anybody else's side. They're there to be your advocate, which sometimes can be like being brutally honest with you. It's like, well, you jumped to a conclusion there. It's like, fuck. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, like... It's like, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> I, it. It can get upsetting whenever they like, they call you out on your shit. But I think ultimately you walk away from that experience and you're like, man, I, like even if you don't really want to believe it, it's going to pop itself in your face every single time after you've left that conversation. You're like, motherfucker was right. Yep. He was like, damn it. They got it. And I think this is the first time I've ever had a male therapist. I've always ever had female. Mm-hmm. And I think even the way that like the approach from a very, like a softer kind of feel from a lady, mm-hmm. I always felt more comfortable. It was but very motherly. Right. I wanted to talk to somebody that was going to like, give me some care and some love and some like, you know, the, the, those reassurances. Right. Um, and then I saw, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try out a dude. Yeah. And it was like the vibe was entirely different. You know, his approach was entirely different. Yeah. A little bit more aggressive and a little bit more like, hey, dumb fuck. <laughs> hey, wake up here. And like, damn, you're oh. right. Like, <laughs> but also like they're, they're the things that I was going with at, at that specific time, he was like, so you're not going to do that again, right? Damn, I like that. That is direct. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no. Shit. He's like, okay. yep, it's not allowed. Okay, got it. Like, cool. Like, yeah. it was very direct versus I feel like the, the fe- and not all females approach it this way, right? right? But the ones that I had were definitely a little bit softer around the edges to the point where 
it was like, yeah, my, and then they were talking about like their daughters and their sons and like the, what they're doing on the weekends. And I'm like, we're just talking Chatting. on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not okay. Like, <laughs> I'm here for therapy. For sure. <laughs> but I think, I don't know, for whatever reason, it ended up getting that way from with most of them versus this guy is definitely like keeping me Here's on my shit. Game. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I really appreciate. Yeah. I don't remember if my first therapist was male or female. That was back at BYU when uh, Cassandra and I were going to like couples therapy and things like that. The second one, when I was in dental school, he, that was a man. Um, I think it was valuable just having different therapists, honestly. Um, the first one might have been female. But yeah, get different therapists when you're, you know, in between, you know, those, those oscillating times when you're not having a therapist. The next time you go, try somebody else. You know, you get different perspectives, different ideas. If you don't like it, you're not committed to that person. You can always go to somebody else or go back to the first one that you maybe liked more. But I'm not saying that, yeah, every therapist is going to be a little bit different. So you're going to get more from going to somebody different rather than somebody that you've been with for months or years already. Um, different people have different specialties as well, right? Like yeah. there's some people that I think like CBT therapy is, or CBT and, and like a therapy would be redundant, but um, cognitive behavioral therapy is, is an option that I think I've heard a lot about. I haven't, I don't think I've participated in cognitive behavioral, mm-hmm. but I've heard so many good things. There's a specialty for that. There's an individual for that versus if you can go talk to just – there's people that specialize specifically with um, with molestation or with yeah. like um, with sexual abuse, right? domestic abuse, women's abuse, right? whatever that may be. Yeah. You can find specific people for those specific things. And kind of once you've got your – at least your foundation, your fundamentals kind of situated with that individual, you feel comfortable, mm-hmm. then you can go back to like a home base individual right like it is your space to kind of play with which i think is kind of fun yeah. which i think is really almost anything but therapy is definitely like it is your space yeah. it's a little more fluid than other forms of medicine because at least if i'm related to my own job if you're jumping between dentist to dentist to dentist dentists do not like like jumping in in the middle of somebody else's plan you know like if you've had work done by somebody else and there's still a bunch of other work to do or like you bring in a previous plan it's like we want to do our own plan um, and I think that's probably common among most like physical forms of medicine. So like personal training as well. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, for you, I was like, you don't want someone getting trained from other people while they're also being trained with you. Um, mental health. I would assume if you're seeing a therapist, they probably, don't, they probably don't want you going to another therapist at the exact same time. But if you're your own mental health, it's much more fluid, you know, and they're not physically doing anything. It's all communication. It's all talking. It's all your own approach to these things. Nothing physically is actually happening where it's like, oh, they, they put their, their questions on the, they ask the, these questions that's, you know, screwed up the therapy. No, it's, it's, uh, each, like, I feel like each therapy session is its own unit or each like therapist is, it's going to be its own thing where there's, there's less crossover and you're not going to have therapists being upset that you're seeking out a different person for the, the, the next issue that arises in your life. I think it's it's okay to be – I've graduated from a therapist that was like, hey, like I don't know what graduation really means, but she was like, you graduated. You, like, like, we no we're longer, good. Yeah, we're good. You don't have to see me anymore. Yeah. Uh, or at least for this period of time. Like I'll save your file. If you ever want to come back, then you know you, I'm here, but right. you're good. Um, but I've also had a therapist say not to cross over because they did have a plan. And I don't really know what a – a psychologist or a, a counselor's plan looks like per yeah. individual, but I I can't imagine it would be as in depth as 
a as an MD or a, or, or a DO or, or, or uh, DDS. Yeah, like I can't imagine. But I mean, I often it's not my field. I could be wrong, it's, right? Yeah, it, it's just. I'm doing physical medicine, you know? I'm seeing the fillings that other people put in the mouth or I'm doing my own filling and then you're gonna go to somebody else and they're gonna not like the one that I did or I don't like the one that they did. It's, it's the physical involvement rather than, you know, mental health is not physically involved in the same sense as those other medicines are. Unless, of course, you are going to a, uh, what, uh, a psychiatrist, right? Yeah. Psych- psychiatry is the, is, the, is the people that, do, that use uh, drugs. Is right? it? Uh, you might th- be right. But I think psychologists have a PhD in. I don't even think. I don't think you have to have a PhD as a, to be a, a technically a psychologist. But um, to be a psychologist is like like talk therapy yeah. versus a psychiatrist has an Prescribe. MD and prescribes right. uh, medicine. And then you definitely don't want to be playing. That's a little different. <laughs> That's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> don't be going to multiple yeah. psychiatrists. But right. I feel like you can't really get away with that one, right? Yeah. Like I'd imagine medical records are like. Definitely, pub, like privates, right? Pub, right? Public within themselves, private to other people. Right, like within that psychiatrist community. Hopefully, they're able to communicate across and be like, "This is the regiment that they're using, and if they come into you, we're currently retooling their medication. So, at least either be aware of it or send them back to us because we're actively doing something." Yeah, and yeah. I imagine playing with drugs probably isn't as fun as it may sound. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I. I'm not a fan oh. of just the pills game, the pharmacy Same. game. It's uh, the the number of pills. Like my patients come through, and I can see all the medications that they've been prescribed on because we use um, Epic, which is like a hospital EHR electronic health record type system. So we communicate with the hospital, and we can just pull in all of their Damn. hospital records, basically, and get all their medications on there. And there are so many people that take double digit pills every single day, and I'm like, this is this is not. This is not medicine in my mind. Like that is, there are better things. Damn. It is profitable. It's mad profitable. Yeah. That, that's why they do it. But it is not like, do you know how hard that is on your stomach to digest all of those pills? And like your body did not evolve with pills. We did, human beings did not get here using pills. We got here using, and I'm not saying Eastern medicine is the way we can only do Eastern. I, I'm all for Eastern medicine and using earth remedies and all these other things. I'm also a fan of antibiotics. Like <laughs> I, 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 Western medicine has its value, but I don't think we need to be chronically giving somebody clonazepam for the rest of their life because of whatever issue they've got going on. It's like, um, it was one of your previous podcasts I actually talked about like you're, you were not born with a brain that was needing these medications at some point along the way it became, uh, I don't want to say broken, but imbalanced. The, the balance was knocked at some point along the way. How do we undo it? We don't just we plug in this pill that is the thing that's missing or blocks a receptor. So you don't really, they don't even really work. Like they don't actually fix the problem. They just confuse your body into thinking the problem's fixed. There are so many better methods for actually taking care of these. And I'm not saying there aren't any people who need chronic medications. You're a type one diabetic. You need insulin for the rest of your life. Uh, that is the way that it yeah, is. Yeah. You don't have another option. There's no other option. You do, your body does not make the insulin. So you have died you, 100 you, years you, ago or t- whatever. Right. Whatever they right. Natural selection would have taken you out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like when it comes to mental health and I'm sure there are people too who are schizophrenic and they will need to be chronically on medication for the rest of their lives. That is not the norm though. But I look at my patients and I see their charts 
it is the majority of patients that have a laundry list of pills. And I don't even know a lot of them. I'm, I'm trying to look and I was like, what is this one? I look it up and I'm like, okay. What's this next one? Look, okay. Damn. It's like, why? Why are you taking so many pills every single day? They prescribe them so easily, I think is it, what I, I was on. I wish I could remember, remember the name. Like it, it was an antidepressant. And I, two different times, I've been on two different antidepressants two mm-hmm. different times in my life. The first time, and then I've been on, on, on ADHD medication as well. The, the time that I was, the first thing, the issue I think with ADHD medication is that you have this, this, this release of dopamine that it doesn't originally, like it isn't present, right? And so yeah. that's why they give you the ADHD med to help with the increase of dopamine, I think, and, and serotonin. And then you're off of it. And you go from not eating, and now you've you've taken away that exogenous a, a dopamine. They're, you're worse off now. Now and then, I struggled so much with where can I get my next fix. thing, my next fix. What is yep. that going to be? Is gonna, luckily it became working out at that time of my life. All go. I wanted to do was just fucking. You lift. fell into the right thing. I <laughs> fell into right. Thankfully, because if <laughs> yeah. not, then you fall into. You, what is it? What what? Other Get drugs. Other right? drugs like, or other acts, right? Other behaviors yeah. that will lead you to, oh, this is this is the fix, right? Yeah. I worked out till 9 to 10 o'clock at night almost every fucking day, yeah. thankfully. But that was – that like it's not okay. And then you just stripped off of it. And I was. It, it's it's not sustainable. It's not. And then the, the, the first bout with antidepressant medication was – so tough. Like I took it for like a week, and I felt really weird about taking it. And I was like, "Well, well, butrin, I think was the, was what I took." Well, the, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I took that, and I was like, felt really weird stuck because I was just like, "Hey, man, I'm feeling like this and this." And he's like, "Okay, we'll get your own well, butrin. Don't worry about it." And I was like, "This is like a FaceTime call, you know, like one of those online things." Yeah, it's like. This is oddly – I don't really like this experience. And yeah. then I was on it for about a week and I got off of it. I was like, I don't like I don't like this. This is not this is not okay. This is this feels weird. I can figure out a different way to go about this. And he like I had the wildest mood swings, crying at work. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? I couldn't handle any of my emotions. Then went back into like trying to eat as much as I could. And then my second bout was the same thing. It was another like did it for a couple of days, didn't like it again, same different doctor, but within and forty five minutes of meeting, okay, we're gonna get you on this on like these three medications. I was like, I don't want three medications. I was right. like one. Okay, we'll we'll take you on this one, but you need to take it for five days. And then after you've taken it for five days, then it'll kinda act like like an Adderall. It'll make you feel better. And then after that, then you know, we can stay on this one for a long period of time. Right. And I was like, okay, and then suicidal thoughts like from fucking no like Jesus. aggressive i was like fuck this like no more like yeah. we're done we're done with pills yeah this is not okay yeah the, the the pill game has just gotten absolutely out of control where like doctors don't even want to do like medicine where they're going to fix you it's just like no you're broken we're just going to give you this pill now for the rest of your life it's like well how about we actually try to fix the problem so you don't need to be chronically taking pills for the rest of your life and i do think fitness is a huge part of it think our society is heavily lacking in fitness. And I also think that we overdiagnose ADHD in children. Um, we take these little kids and put them in a classroom for hours at a time and then give them a pill for when they're not able to do that. And it's like, 
children are not supposed to be doing that. They're supposed to be actively exploring the world and playing and like you have so much energy and you try to bottle all that energy up. Of course, it's going to look like ADHD. Like this kid's been sitting still for four hours. And then they don't emphasize physical education anymore. At all. At all. Like, like I don't I, know that recess is really a thing. I don't know. PE. I thought they took sure, recess away. For sure not. Like, and I see those old videos of like the 1970s gym class where they're like doing the pull. <laughs> and I was like, people today, people today would see this and be like, you are abusing my child. And I'm like, <laughs> are you abuse? Abuse is what you're doing right now. You're forcing that kid to sit still for four hours at a time instead of actually going out and doing things. Your body is meant to move. It's meant to do these things. It is designed. Literally, like, if, even if you didn't have, if you just had, like, the physics of the body, you could be like, okay, that that is designed to do these certain movements. It is not designed to sit here like that for hours with the back. That just, like, oh, my God. It just going, like, I went for a walk this morning, and yeah. it was the most, like, satisfying I did two little laps around this little thing. Yeah, that's all it takes. Got back to the house and just had this like sense of euphoria. Yeah. I was in the sun. I, I, it was it was still morning. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. So, but crisp. I love that. It was crisp. Yeah. No one was really up. Like you kind of see people get in the cars and like getting ready to work and leave yeah. for work. And you're just fucking walking like such a good feeling to come back home and like make some breakfast and like something. I'm making my food rather than going to pick up a taco. Yeah. Right. Like. It, it, it's yogurt. I'm taking my protein. I, I like to do the greens. I'm taking my greens. Taking some. Um, I like to do fiber. Yeah. Fi- and like, we're good. Like, oh, this is this is nice. I have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like that's what's about. Like, oh man, I love just even just a little walk goes right. a long way. Right. Yeah. I remember I saw an article recently that was like schools took the the pacer test out because it's a child abuse. What the yeah. fuck? And I was like, the pacer test was not fun. I did not enjoy <laughs> doing that as a kid. But I kind of, I enjoyed the competitive. I wanted to win. I'm going to be faster at all the rest of y'all at this thing. Oh, yeah. And like, and that's not an unhealthy approach to your own life, you know, to, to want to be competitive like that. Not in a nasty, I wasn't tripping kids, you know, <laughs> like trying to cheat my way through. Um, but yeah, like physical activity is huge. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to be a power lifter or do the types of physical activity that we do or go lift 400 pounds or whatever the hell. But a walk. Go walk around your neighborhood. Two laps. If you do that three times a week, if, if that was like established in our society, oh my God, it would be so much healthier. Like, or even just walk into the grocery store that's not that far away. Yeah. Right? Like I get that not everyone lives cl- close to a grocery store. But like this place, I'm maybe – the place in Vegas mm-hmm. is a quarter to a quarter mile away ish from a Trader Joe's. Yeah, and I get up and I walk to. I, I'm gonna get. I don't know. I want to make smoothies this morning. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go get some bananas and go get whatever. Get whatever I can carry. Go grab my stuff. Put it in bags. Talk to a homeless person on the way out. Hey, how y'all doing? Whatever. Like, yeah. talk to my local grocers. See the same people. Like the same checker out. Establish back. some community. Establish the community, and it's just like it's right there, and it's really nice. You can just say, "Hi, how's it going? What do you got going on this week? Or what's going on?" And like, you walk back to the house, and it's okay, and that's so fucking weird. Like, yeah. In Europe, it's like, yeah, we, we walk everywhere. Yeah. Why are you Americans driving everywhere? Yeah. And they're they're get, gonna walk to get their daily groceries. We're gonna walk, walk. To, but they also design the cities to be that way, where they live yeah. with the grocer within a certain walking distance. Where in a lot of American cities or suburbs, closest grocery store is eight miles away. Yeah. So it's like you have to walk. 
And America is a driving country. We designed it to be that way, where walking is not the convenient method. Unless if you live in Vegas or New York or places where you have to walk. Everything is just so compact that walking is, is then an option. Um, but if you walk a yeah. mile, I feel like... like People hear that and they're like, I can't do that. <laughs> I like, can't walk a mile. Why did you just drive? It's like, whoa, I was like what? <laughs> if you're walking at like a slow pace, that might make take you 20 minutes. <laughs> like, you're going to be just fine. And like where I where I work at that, that Tower Point location, the HEB is right there. I walk to the HEB to get my lunch and all my coworkers are like, you walk there? And I was like... <laughs> I can see it. Like I can, I can see the lettering. I can see the people walking in. It's not even a quarter mile. Like it is, it's right there. You walk. It's like, right there. I'm not doing anything hard. Like hardest part is there's no sidewalk as I go down this little hill. <laughs> like if it's rainy, it might be a little bit muddy, so I'll go a different way. But it would be nice yeah. if it was. Like it just. I think. High level performance is fun and competitive. Oh, for sure, and I enjoy that. Amazing. Yes, I think it's cool to see progress. I think it forces you to look more holistically. Whenever you focus on like a sport, you're looking at your sleep a little bit more intently. You're looking at like you're designing your days around. Okay, like well, I have to lift later. Right. Um, I mean, maybe you should stretch a little bit more today. Like all those little things that you should be doing anyway. Right. Yeah. We just forget about, but if you are lifting 400 pounds later in the day, you might think about better shoes. Yeah. You might think about how much you're sitting down at your desk or walking to HEB. Like, yeah. Or like how your hips are feeling just throughout the day and just like, oh, this is tight. I'm going to stretch this because I can. And then <laughs> like you can sit in your table or sit on your chair. Yeah. And then just do like what would look like a normal cross leg and just be like, uh-huh. You're pra- you're arch, doing mobility work right and then there. Stretch. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, how's it going? I'll be sitting there watching Netflix and I'm doing some stretches, you know? And it's like I I'm not actively stretching. I mean I am, but I'm I'm doing something else. I'm watching my entertainment, I'm in a meeting, whatever the case may be, and I'm stretching. You can combine these things. I loved being in meetings and taking my shoes off. I, when I worked at the home builders, I would just, I'd get into the office, shoes off, feet on the wall. Like, I put my feet, like, all, all the way propped way against the wall and, like, stretch hamstrings, do, like, what's it called? The, the Eldoa stuff. Yeah, the, some small Eldoa stuff. <laughs> and then I would do, some, I would just, like, let my legs drop open, like, I'm doing a split against the wall. It's like, okay, I'm stretching my adductors. Mm-hmm. We're just hanging out. I was like, Ben, what are you doing over there, dude? It's like, why are you being so weird? It's like, how many of you ever work out? Right. It's like, or I worked ever? out earlier today. Yeah. It's like, you just seem so weird. It's like, sure. Movement can be weird in your brain, I guess. but it should be normal. Should be totally normalized. So this went straight through me, so I'm going to go pee real quick. Yeah, do your thing. That's, I was on a golf course uh, a couple weeks ago, and this guy asked me uh, about what I do for a living, what he does, and uh told him you know my podcast is called ben thinking he's like well what you've been thinking about lately i'm like (laughs) good you're good i don't know (laughs) finances (laughs) shit i don't know the answer to that one (laughs) right now fucking nothing golfing we're we're on the we're we're golfing (laughs) nothing ideally i'm looking for the drink cart for the next beer (laughs) we brought our own (laughs) we got these do these mai tais i'll have to send you a picture of them they're like 12 and a half percent Nice. And they're like little canned things. Okay. Had one on the course and didn't had did not eat beforehand. Yeah, that's, and, and, there you go. Just that one. I was like. Good. Whoa. 
We got we had Bud Light. We're like we're switching to Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> Water beer. Yeah. We we gotta just maintain <laughs> yeah. at this point. Gotta slow down a lot. <laughs> There's something about the the drinks on the golf course too that it just they hit different. That is <laughs> so different. I mean, it's like the airport alcohol. It, it, they they hit different. The rules are different there. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> airport alcohol is the shit. <laughs> yes, it is. It is I the shit. I love drinking at the airport. Oh, it's great. It's it's a, it's also a luxury. I feel like part of it is like leaning into like I have the fact that it's a little expensive <laughs> and you're watching everybody else walk by. <laughs> I used to be Look at me with my drink. <laughs> it's served up like a cocktail, not a beer. Right? My gate's right there. I can't miss it. <laughs> it I remember like walking by, I was like, man, I wish I could fucking drink. And then you walk, you like ask, hey, much, how, how much is a beer? Nine dollars. <laughs> I'll wait until I land. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. But like wow, these like pretty much every flight that I've taken for like the last almost year. Yeah. It's Every time I'm at either the airport or on the plane, I, I started ordering doubles on the plane. I haven't done it on the plane yet. I've Dude, done the airport. Sometimes they'll give you free if they're running late. That's what my buddy said. He says, every time I order on the airplane, they just they don't even charge Dude, me. they and don't charge like, me. The, the only times I've done it, I got charged. So I don't know. <laughs> These last couple times, I think maybe one of the last four or five times that I've gone, they didn't charge me. Okay. And I'm like ready with my wallet. Like, I'll, like I'm giving you're my ready card. For it. Yeah. And, and oh, sometimes yeah, you're they're, they're like, we're good. We were late. Okay. Cool. Hmm. I'm good with that. Like, let me get two more doubles, please. Like, uh, just... Keep that rolling, then. Yeah, dude. It's so <laughs> much fun. And they're like, we have 30 minutes till we land. Another no, no, double. Let's just, go. Just make it a shot. I'll t- <laughs> <laughs> the more expensive when I land, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's relaxing. It's kind of like, I don't know, I feel like being a kid. A little bit. Like, little just bit. playing a game, you know? Right. Like, having fun. Like, being the person next to me, like, <laughs> I'm drinking. <laughs> right, and strangers will talk to you at the airport when you're drinking. It's not yeah. a totally a normal thing. Yeah. Like, we're all in the same boat about this is different rules here, so we're all part of this. Like, the game's different. <laughs> I have a flight leaving tomorrow, Thursday at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, damn. That's an early alcohol. <laughs> Conclusion there. Yeah. I was thinking, like, are they open that early? They, they are open Are they going to serve? They are. But I was like, no. No. 6 a.m. I need a tequila shot. <laughs> Jesus. I, I'm waking up at, like, 3 o'clock. I don't think I'm going to either I go and I stay in Austin or, or – even if I do stay yeah. in Austin, I've got to park my car, find an Uber, do the whole thing, yeah. right? Or park at the fucking thing. But I feel like you just park, like my brother lives there, so just park with at their place is and just, just get an Uber back. Um, but <laughs> it seems like an early time to drink. <laughs> like, I like to drink. Like, God damn. Like, I gotta, I'm questioning some this shit. This isn't morning drinking. The sun hasn't even come up yet. Ooh, dude. And then I'm... I, I, the way that sometimes I, I haven't, I don't know if I've drank that early, but if I have, then the way that I've probably justified it in my brain is like, well, I'm going to Vegas. Party's going to roll. Party's going to roll. And then <laughs> yeah. I, it will. Yeah. That's the worst part. It's dangerous. It's the best part. You're not wrong about that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. And I hope that we get to go as a group, but like. That would be fun. Get to get like a, a pretty nice, you know. Get get a let's get, get someplace on the strip. Let's go get a like, legit. Yeah, let's let's we're gonna do the thing. Yeah, and I get some shows and go to some clubs For and sure. like. I usually set a certain amount 
aside for gambling. And right. I like you, that's responsible gambling where it's like you have a limit that you set for yourself for the gambling specifically. When I first went, it was like 500 bucks. Yeah. And then it became 1000 and then 2000 and then I'm like, shit, okay, 3000 Okay. Is no. this your own personal limit or in that one experience? Yeah, no, 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 no. This is my own personal okay, limit. Okay, okay, I, 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 over a course of time. Yeah. Okay. I guess my first time going when I was, I was probably like three. Definitely before COVID, the year before COVID, it's 2019 or so. Yeah. Maybe 2018 and probably about 2018. And that's like 500 bucks. Yeah. And we're capped. That's big fucking That spending. would feel like my cap. I mean. Dude, it was like <laughs> yeah, $500. Like, let's find the like, like, All of those chips that you got. <laughs> you go to the, ro- the, the roulette table. Yeah. That's like the electronic one that's like. A ten cents minimum bet. Okay, and you just fucking. I would play that one because you get free drinks. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Free Free drinks drinks while chilling there. Yeah, you get free drinks so long as you're playing. Yeah, and so I I got to the point where like I had made like five hundred dollars on my twenty bucks. Yeah, and I was like, fuck yeah! Like we're fucking balling. Pull out my cash, get my cash, and we're walking around the next day, and I'm tipping these girls like twenty, thirty, forty bucks, and I'm like. (laughs) Are you sure, sir? And I'm like, I don't know. Fucking just. Are you just playing with house money at that point? I'm just like, playing with house money. I'm just having fun. Yeah. Like I can live here 500 bucks. I cashed out my shit, and now I'm just playing. And I'm just having the best time. Like it was, oh, dude. Like so much fun. And then I feel like with the now that now that I spent, I guess I spend a little bit more. Like it becomes a little bit more stressful rather than less. <laughs> <laughs> like I like my personal limit has gone up my stress level went with it like, <laughs> yeah. fuck exactly like, it's just like the like something you put you know it's like a starting bet of 50 bucks to open the game and you're like fuck it's 50 bucks to play 50 bucks to play 50 bucks for a spin <laughs> yeah holy shit yeah a spin like this is insane like, this is a good meal it's a good meal. That's a good meal, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I, the way I always had, had like made it make sense in my head was, well, if I'm going to go bowling. You're going to pay for that. I'm going to pay 100 bucks. Right. So if I can spend 100 bucks today on gambling. Having fun. Having fun. Then I've lost my $100. Or if, if, I, if, I, if I lose, lose all the $100, right. Then I had fun. Then I played. Well, maybe. <laughs> If you maybe. lost all your hundred, you might have not had too much fun. <laughs> Sometimes it is fun because like, you get around a craps table, you get around a roulette table with yeah. some good people, and you guys are just fucking. You see other people hit some big numbers, right? And you're like, okay, my numbers are three one eight double zero thirty one thirty, and this other guy was like, all right, well, I like twenty nine. I'm like, fuck it, I'll put on twenty nine. You know, fuck it, I will try it. Yeah. And we hit on thirty nine. You're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> it's the coolest. It's fun as shit. Uh, but at the same time, you all lose your money. You're like. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like one of my cousins, um, so he's still part of the, the LDS Mormon church, and they don't gamble. Mormons don't gamble. That's one of their things, too. I think it's common along, among a lot of religions is would... not to gamble because <laughs> yeah, they want your money instead. <laughs> gamble with us. <laughs> yes. Give us the 10%. We're just, there's no chance you're getting it back. <laughs> so anyway, um, he's not a gambler. He's not going to go to Vegas with me, but we'll play uh, fantasy football. And there, a lot of those leagues, you you put some money in to play, and if you win, you get the money back. And so his justification, which is completely accurate, it's like I'm pay, I'm paying to play the game, and like just like any other game, you pay to play the game, but with this game, there's a chance you could get your money back, <laughs> and that's kind of what the game is. And I was like. That's Dude, not- you're using the exact same justification that I used when I was part of it. Now I'm just not part of it, and I just I enjoy it. It's fun, but 
You're right. It, it's it's not gambling. It's just you pay to play the game. Just like any other game, you got to pony up a little bit to actually play the game. Yeah, it's it's fun. I like it. I don't think there's anything wrong with gambling. I, I agree. It's I think you game. need to control it. I do think that the gambling addiction is real, and I think yeah. like like you done. You you set yourself a limit for it, and there are people who don't do that, so they go with their five hundred, and then they lose it, and they're like five hundred, five hundred, and it's like you're. This is not. I mean, this is what gambling is supposed to do. That is what it's supposed to do, yeah. honestly. Like, let's not let's not pretend that that's not exactly how the system is designed. Let's put oxygen into the thing. No clocks anywhere, and then right. free alcohol. Yeah, and like, it's it it is designed to get you to do exactly that. But if you're going to be a responsible <laughs> gambler, you're going to do what you do, is where you set a limit for yourself, and if you hit that limit, you are done, and it's going to suck. You're going to sit there and be like, "Fuck, I want to go play. I want to get more." I'm got, and you're going to have to sit there with that and just. Control it. You're done. You're, you have to be done. And if you don't, then you're a gambling addict. And you need to go seek some help about that. Because that is just like any other addiction, really, where it, it has the capacity to ruin your life. I've been at tables sometimes where I, I saw this. This is one time at this. this it's like a it's called Sunset Casino. It's a like a, where the locals go. Yeah. And it's in Henderson, not in Vegas. And this guy walks up. And drops like 500 bucks, right? He pulls 500 cash out, puts it on the table. Not even and, chips? Like just cash? Yeah, just cash. And so, oh, and so like they, they cash you in. Not that that makes a difference, but it, it looks different. It looks crazy, but at the same time, it's like if you like, It's exactly the same. It's exactly chips. the same, right? So, so, but they cash you out. They, they take your 500 bucks, they swipe them all, and then you buy in, right? So now here are yeah. your chips. What color do you want? Right. And he was like, oh, just give me all 25s or all 100s, whatever he said. And he put all 500 all bucks on numbers. Yeah. And so if he hits one, then it pays 36 to one right right huge fucking payout yeah he loses all of it of course and he's like damn okay last one last one he leaves goes to the atm 500 (laughs) loses again okay last one last one it's always and i was like okay you don't you don't understand sunk cost my friend like you are a thousand dollars in the hole within seconds and two two games you're a thousand dollars in the hole (laughs) I was sitting there with Jess and like, okay, like this is like, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's gambling addiction. That's You're gambling watching addiction. it live. It happened several times and it was just, it like, it was not, it did not make me feel comfortable. I, was like, I think right, I'm at, good. At some point. I'm done. It made yeah. me not want to gamble. Yeah. <laughs> I do think at some point of some casinos will actually like approach the person. And really? I think kind of like you can't overserve at a bar or some, I, I've heard. I don't know. I've, I've actually never been to Vegas. I've, I do poker nights and things like that and other things played at a craps table, but not Vegas specifically. Um, to come visit one of my you know, For right? sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. That'll be plenty of incentive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we have a free place. <laughs> yeah. But even then, we're still going to get a place. Oh, of course. We got to be like in Vegas. Yes, not, exactly. We yeah. got to do the strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in agreement here. Good. 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 <laughs> like with, within the next like several months probably. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Summertime. Might be a little hot in Vegas for summertime. Maybe 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 a different time. We could probably do like August. That's like peak summertime, isn't it? Oh fuck. At least for it. here it is. I mean it gets like 110 degrees here. At that You're time. inside for the most part. <laughs> no worries. No one's gambling outdoors. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, definitely like that that addiction's intense. The, the, the gambling. I, I, I am blessed to not have an addictive personality, and I'm aware of that for myself. I think everybody has the capacity to get addicted, and I 
certainly have things in my life that I probably could qualify as an addiction, things I do every single day. Um, but I don't have like such a personality where it's like, if I don't do that thing, I'm going to be racked and just like my whole body's going to shake. Like I have siblings who are like that. They have addictive personalities. And I do think that there is some genetic component, some environmental component, some like how early on in your development did you actually get into some of these things? And I think that can play a role as well. For sure. Like in the previous podcast with, with us talked about how I didn't smoke or drink or anything until I was like 22, 23. And I think that's a massive contribution to the fact that I do not have an addictive personality. I can smoke nicotine all day and the next day not touch it and I'm not going to be irritable. Like I'll be totally fine. My brain developed to a point where it was almost fully developed before I even introduced those certain things. And I'm not saying that is the case for everybody, but I do think that that, that certainly helped. I think that makes a huge difference. I think my, like I was talking about just – when my parents were here, I told them, like, my first interaction with, with porn yeah. was in the second grade. And they are like, damn, that's early. What? And I was like, yeah, there was this kid, Emilio, who would come over, like, to the school. And that's when we first started cussing. That's when we first started watching and looking at, like, magazines and, like, right. por- like pornographic material. <coughs> and I think that it ended up making me – I think that I already have an addictive personality, but it added to, like – like it started that fire really quickly with just getting addicted to things yeah. and like it will, it, and I will go through different addictions. Sometimes it's right. It's, it, it's an alcohol and then I'm like, eh, I'm done. So about an addiction for an addiction. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. It's the worst. I feel it's like that's so almost hard. always how it works though. Like even if like even my siblings who've, who have dealt with their own addictions in the past, they have healthier addictions now whether it's like the gym or doing it but they're it's, it's it's still kind of an addictive thing where it's like if they don't go they feel anxiety about it to a point and, and, and not, you know we're, we're take, pay, taking a lesser of two evils if you're addicted to the gym i will take that every day over an addiction to basically anything else like and then that is i think the healthier route for most people to take i personally am somewhat addicted to physical fitness as well you know if i don't if it's been three days and I haven't been to the gym, I am itchy, I'm antsy, symptoms of like withdrawal. Like I, and I, you will have withdrawal. I am with, I am having yeah. withdrawal from not being at the gym, and I am 100% okay with that. Like that is, that's the 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 addiction form that I think is healthy for us human beings to actually have. I think I forget about my addiction to that space. I think my addiction is kind of like transferred into, like wanting some sorts like a sense of community like yesterday i was sitting down here at the house and i was like man like i want to talk to somebody i want to build a relationship like, i want to just like converse yeah which is pro- maybe a good addiction for the fact that i want to do this podcasting right? yeah like, for sure th- that would be a good like it's a healthier thing than than any other drug that I've ever done, for right? Sure. It, it's definitely better. Yeah. And I think ultimately beneficial for me, hopefully for the individual and, and the relationships, and then also maybe a career. Like yeah. all sorts of good things, but at the same time, when you when I don't have it, what I look for is what I need to mitigate. Yeah. Like that thing, like let me hop into the sauna. Like I need to sweat. I need to do something. Sweat it off. I, I, need, I need to do something, dude. Like I need yeah. to listen to a podcast. I need to like I need to have some sort of stimuli yeah. that's gonna keep me and have me and give me my fix, which is still not necessarily healthy. But at the same time, a lot of in, in AA they say like once an addict, always an addict, right? You you're you are an addict through and through, and understanding yeah. that, and it's just learning how to on a daily basis. 
battle that addiction yeah. or that addictive personality. And like, if it's going to be through podcasting or through work or through like getting into the sauna, like I did twice today. If, if like, if that's, <laughs> if that's what it's going to be, then that's a hell of a lot healthier than just drinking my life away. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Oh, I had but like, I do like a, a drink. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's the fact that we are cheers. actively. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> oh, I had a thought that was about. Um, oh, you're talking about being in the sauna, trading out addictions. Talking to people, building community, um, trading out addictions, being in the sauna twice a day. Oh, oh yeah. Once an addict, always an addict. Um, so, yeah, my older sister, the one who's an alcoholic, she doesn't say I was an alcoholic. She says I am. I am an alcoholic. Um, she's been sober for almost a decade, but she still uses that current I am that, that is, that is part of who I am. And I think that is super important for her to maintain that sobriety. It's not like I overcame this thing and I don't got to worry about it anymore. This is an everyday, um, intention of her life to remain sober. I am an alcoholic. And because of that, I'm not doing this today. I didn't do it yesterday. Not doing it today. Not doing it tomorrow because I am an alcoholic. And like, it takes a lot of, like, in, we use introspection a lot, um, but but a lot of that reflection. and reflection, a lot of just being able to kind of take yourself down a few notches and realize that you're you might not be the shit. You know, you have these things that you deal with, you have these things, these things that you struggle with, and they are active everyday struggles. And if you don't approach it like that every single day, you might slip up. And it only takes one slip up on a, something like that, and then you're poof, on a bender potentially. Not not every time, but you know th- that is a slippery slope. It. I think that like you revert back to, or personally, I, I would revert, like if I go through a sin of sobriety, then I then I, if I do start again in whatever I was trying to stay sober from, it's like tenfold. Mm-hmm. And so if it's it could be alcohol, right? You you drink yourself to death. Yeah. You you eat whether quite that literally. be yeah like you either drink yourself to death quite literally or you drink to the point where you're no longer able to drive. You drive and you end up dying. Right? Yeah. Like that gets through something that's by proxy, um, rather than direct. And then you have, um, oh man, something by proxy, consuming alcohol, doing things. Oh man, that that addiction is going to lead you to to death essentially whenever whenever you like when if you do end up trying to restart that thing there you go if you end up starting to restart that thing again it's gonna come in tenfold and be that much more dangerous like you yeah. you like if and that's just alcohol if you, if you do that with with a drug or a pill like oh, i used to take four of these yeah and then you start off with four and you really are more like a one or a two kind of guy or person at that point in your life you have that four that five that six and you OD, like that's a reality yeah. for a lot of people, unfortunately, that are no longer here with us, right? Right. But it's, that's, it's, addiction's a real fucking thing. It is. It's a scary fucking thing. It is. I do think that a fair part of it comes from the way that we govern our country and the current laws going on. Like, I, I, I'm not a fan of drugs being illegal. I think that contributes to what we're seeing. Like, I honestly think that pretty much everything should be legal. Drug-wise, because if you go and get legal heroin that the government approves of and you there's fentanyl in it and you OD on that, someone's going to be responsible for that. 
no one's holding any sort of cartel responsible for fentanyl. And that's, that is the biggest killer right now among all of them is that there's extra things added in to these drugs that are not necessarily part of the drug. And that's what you OD on because you don't know that you're getting a lethal dose of fentanyl. That's the that's the scariest one. I feel like. Oh, it is like the the, the amount of fentanyl to kill someone. Touch. It is it is a pen point. Like literally, you take a pen, you draw, just touch it on a paper. That amount of pure fentanyl will kill a person. A little more than that will kill an elephant. Like it's it's <laughs> <laughs> two pen points. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's fucking insane. And, and it, I'm not saying there's not a place for it. It's wildly useful. We sedate people for surgeries using fentanyl. So there is a time and place for it. But it being incorporated into our illegal drugs, because it's illegal, there's zero regulation going on when it comes to those sorts of drugs. And I hate the argument where it's like, you legalize it, people are going to die. And I was like, one, that's probably true. Two, people are dying right now. So like... I, I'm not going to trade the lives now for the lives later where it's like there, there might be an uptick. You know, if, if the only reason you're not doing heroin is because it's illegal, then like you probably should just do some heroin. <laughs> like, like honestly, who the fuck cares? Because like legality in my mind means nothing. Like, And it's not that it's – and just I wanted to clarify one thing. I, and I don't think I don't think you mean that it's not regulated because it, it's regulated on, on like a federal standpoint. Extent. Right? It, like like – it's it's distributed through like uh, I guess uh, DEA or like we have to get a DEA license. I think you mean like, like legal legit fentanyl, right? Yeah, yeah right. Like legitimate yeah. fentanyl is it, it, it is that regulated, part's like regulated, right? yeah. And and they're trying to possibly and they they are trying to regulate the income of of the drug, the illegal drug, right? But once it's on the market. The black market, yeah. there is no regulation, right? And the, you, you can't put the shit back in the box. Once it's out of the box, it is out of the box. And we've been trying for years, this war on drugs since Nixon or whatever the fuck, to try to put all the shit back in the box. It's like, once it's out, it is out. We cannot undo what we already did. So it is there. Let that shit be legal. And I'm not saying that you need to let people walking around into your fucking Walmart with a heroin needle sticking out of their arm. Like that's, that's obviously not what I'm thinking. But like, just like you can't walk into Walmart drunk off your ass or high as hell, you'll get in trouble for those sorts. Of, you cannot be publicly inebriated, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. But there's bars, there's other hookah lounges if you want to smoke nicotine in a, in a place like that. You know, other countries, even here, there there are heroin dens. That's what that's what it's called. That's that's much safer. Are there some in the United States? I'm, I'm sure, but it's all illegal underground, probably. Good point. But I, like, I know that there's some in like I think the Netherlands is is like one of the countries that has it down. Where it's where like they have facilities. Yes, you go there, you give them your dirty needle, you get a clean needle, so you're not spreading disease. You get your fix because heroin's one of those drugs where if you legit go cold turkey, you're gonna you die. die. You will die from the withdrawals. Yeah. So. They're not seeking the heroin because they need – that's why they need it. They will literally die without it. So, And we're going to make them operate in the criminal realm because of that. Was it self-caused? Maybe. At this point, it doesn't matter. They need that heroin or they will literally die. Or they need a system that's going to allow them to wean off of that, like and to that's regulate what, that system, right? You that's what those other ones are doing, right? You go to that safe place, you get your new needle, and all the people that work there are like recovered heroin addicts, and they're going to talk to you about it, and you're there to get your fix. You're there to get your medicine. You're there to like not die. You're not there to like 
chase the fucking dragon and lose your mind. You know, that's not, that's not what it's about. The person that I think ends up like trying to chase the dragon every time will end up dying. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's what heroin is. You're, that first hit that you take, you get that, you're chasing that for the rest of your life. And you're never going to achieve it. And that's what makes it so goddamn addictive to the point where if you cut with the withdrawals will kill you. Um, it's crazy. It, it, it is it's, crazy. It's and then, such a, like, such a physiological dependence on an outside substance that right? you will die if you don't have it any longer. Yes. And then it debilitates it's you and your, and your brain is handicapped and now you're homeless and now you're in the homeless population. It's like all of these things come from the same issue. We created this problem by making all of these drugs illegal. And then we created a whole industry that only exists because of the laws that exist in our country. Make them legal? What the fuck are the cartels going to do? They're probably going to switch over to some other thing. They'll figure it out. You know, yeah. they'll find other things that we still have as illegal. But I, I human trafficking, I think, would be the would next be the thing, thing right? Yeah. Which then I would be like, well, let's legalize that. Not not the trafficking part, but like prostitution. Prostitution, prostitution should absolutely be legal because we're two consenting adults. Yeah. If it's cash that makes the consent happen, then cash made the consent happen. I personally have not sought that out myself. I know people who have, and I don't judge them for that. It is, that is, that's not my preferred sexual encounter. But, you know, if someone else feels the need to do it, fine, fine. But let's... I don't know. Like, the, what if the opportunity was available to somebody... And maybe this is a, a crazy example here, but like a school shooter, right? They're going through a lot of shit. Maybe that that shit is that they can't get in with women, that they're having this struggle. They're watching porn. They can't get like that right. that interaction of some sort of physical touch. And finally, they're able to pay somebody to have that physical touch, and that does it for them. Right. And then they're done. Yeah. They got their fix, right? They're not so mad at the world anymore. Um, I guess I, I, would, I would assume that it's more complicated. I say that's that. a very optimistic solution for school yeah, shootings, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> We're having, but, yeah, but like if like, the is, analogy exists there, like where is it going to be all of them? No, right. No. But it, it, like you mitigate some sort of problem, right? With, with, or sexual assaults, right? Like maybe not. Imagine how much right? safer it would be too. Like you have to legally consent with this person, and they're getting a legit pay. Like I'm not a fan of like the government that makes everything safe, but I'd imagine that a legal prostitution industry is going to be safer than underground black market. We got to deal with a pimp and other drugs and like things that are. Also illegal where all the shady business is going on and, and nothing is regulated. Like we, we could make these things safer by making them legal. You're having STD testing. You're having right. like you're, you test. You actually – and it's covered or it's part of your, your – It's part of your payment. Your payment. Yeah. Like, and and you're, you have to go every so often to be tested for those things. And like it's not that hard to do these – It's. I would imagine we're, you have a license, right? Yeah. Like I, I pay money to get a license. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I could have a license to be in the world of prostitution. If that was my, if that was what I wanted to do. Oh, you had, you don't have an updated license. Like what is your, your barcode? Yours is out of date and you need to go get STD tested. Right. It would probably benefit everybody. everybody. Prostitute comes <laughs> out with all bruised up. She got beaten. Is, is justice actually going to be served unless the pimp goes and kills that guy? Probably not. And yeah. and that's not really the justice I think we should be looking for. Um, more of a, a different system where it's like, no, nah, this guy beat the shit out of me. We're not going to let that happen because that's just not okay. That's not what this is about. And you have the card. You have the you file. Got, you, you have the information. Everything you're doing is legit. And and, and people, well, you're selling your body. And it's like. <laughs> and, not selling yours. But but also, like, what, what job isn't? What job is not 
selling your body. I'm at work every day doing this and bending over and like I'm, I'm using my body. Athletes who play basketball are selling their body. You're doing something. If you're sitting at a desk, believe it or not, you're probably selling your body worse than that prostitute is because that is the worst thing you can possibly do to yourself is just sit there and type at a keyboard all day and keep your shoulders up like this. Like every job involves physical changes or compromise or like your, your physical body is involved. So why do we draw these ambiguous limitations at certain points? Because God says no. <laughs> yes. Because the bearded man in the sky bearded, told us that that is not okay. Bearded until, lady. <laughs> bearded lady in the sky. It's a lady. <laughs> it, it, is, it, it, is, it is insane. Because it, it, that, that's ultimately what it's rooted in. It is rooted in right. this religious ideal that was never the reason that this place was built on. It was built on the hope for freedom, right? Like the right. hope of, of, of no longer having a, a tax that you have to pay to the big man. The island across the fucking ocean. Let's fucking right. get rid of that guy. We don't like the way he's governing shit. Let's get out of there. Yeah. And then now we've like, well, now the Lutherans like that they can practice here. Okay, practice over there, right? Like, and then now we're all Christians. Yeah. Cool. Like, well, I, I, I'm sure that there's somebody that has a better explanation of how Christianity became the 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 religion for the the Americas, but uh, or for for North America, but yeah, um, for for the United States, United States, um, but yeah. Um, but it just it seems that I thought the entire thing was separation between church and state. Right. That's the whole idea. And now it's so integrated. Oh yeah. I saw an article again. I only see headlines. I don't actually read articles. <laughs> None of us <laughs> do. City, but at the same time, also true. Or all of us do that shit. <laughs> I saw one that was for, for here in Texas that was like, they want the 10 commandments being taught in the elementary school classroom. And I was like, sure. Teach them also the Quran, teach them Buddhism, teach them That'd Taoism, cool. yeah. teach them Every single religion that there is out there that we have information and access to so they can be like, these people believe this. Informed. These people believe that. These people believe this. It's not, this is the way we do things. That's how we're taught. Indoctrinated. We're indoctrinated. We 100% are indoctrinated. And like our religion, our, our religion, our country does not separate church and state. For sure not. God bless the USA. The USA. Yeah. Every politician. Can't get away. Could ever. you imagine trying to run for a political platform and being like, yeah, I am not religious. <laughs> you kidding me? They would slay you. Both sides. Like, especially in Texas, but both sides. Both sides. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. The president always says, like, yeah. God bless America. Yeah. It's on the dollar bill. Biden it's does on the it. dollar bill. Yeah. The opposite of church and state being separate. Right. It's, it's, it's pretty insane to me how how pervasive that has become and like the the stupid things that don't matter you know or, or that become problematic like we like we're so obsessed with trying to control one another that's what laws are about in my opinion where it's like you're trying to control something we we can't do that we cannot control other people we don't have control believe it or not us human beings are not in charge here we are not in charge of this goddamn planet this planet will continue to exist after we extinct ourselves so we, we think that we're in charge. We think that what we do is like causing the earth to spin and do all these other things. Like the earth just does what it does, whether or not we do our shit or not. And we need to be taken down several notches to, to realize that we are not the shit that we think we are because we're, we're not in control of this planet. And we never were. And anybody who pretends to uh, give you the implication that they are in control of things, they're, they're lying to you. Like... You can't control other people. 
And that's what laws are. You're just trying to control other people. And I get it. We should live in a society where you are not allowed to murder your neighbor. Okay. I have never lived next to a sociopath who wanted to murder me. So I, I am not that worried about that. <laughs> like, right? Like it's not. I, I have met all of zero sociopaths in my 30 years of existing on this planet. And I get it. We, sh- we, we need to have certain established societal rules where it's like, yeah, you're, you can't just kill someone. But I also don't know if that rule needs to be written down. Like, do we really need spelled out laws where it's controlled? Because frankly, if someone breaks into my house and is threatening my family and I kill them, I am justified and I feel okay about that. And I think that should be like, we don't need written rules. Every situation is its own thing. And like when we make laws, we just create a criminal organization that will operate outside of that law. We're not actually controlling things. We're creating a black market where that is going to continue to exist outside of the public eye. You're creating what is like you're creating a black and white reality that doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Whereas if we just let everything be legal within common sense of like it's I don't think it needs to be that complicated, honestly. It's, it, yeah. It's really not that hard. Do do your shit. Do do your day-to-day business, you know, if you, if we need police to make sure people aren't fighting with each other or driving a hundred miles an hour and, and being dangerous or drunk driving. I understand that, you know, we, we want people to be safe. We want um, to live in an environment where we feel like we're not going to be threatened by other people or, or things like that. But I think that our solution is just more and more and more laws. And I think we should move in the other direction, start undoing, undoing, untying all of that fucking knot because it's, it's ridiculous. Let the people figure out the thing that you know. I think the power was supposed to be for the people. Yeah, right? and we're supposed to be with the people that decide what happens in our in our communities at a at a, at a local government level and then a, a, a regional and national or state and the national right. Yeah. Like we should be able to to regulate here. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be that complicated. Right. Like I I don't I don't think I think the United States is too big for one. We, the geographically big. we are huge. Insane. The 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 state of Maine and San Diego and Hawaii do not need to all be on the same page about what the hell they're doing because those places are wildly different. Entirely different cultures. So like I I understand like globally we can have an understanding that we're going to be peaceful to one another. But locally is where actual like Here's how we do things here because this is what makes sense for our geography. You know, we're going to do this this way in Maine where we get snow for – I've never been there. I assume they get snow for months. I'm sure. Yeah, whereas San Diego has probably not seen snow for like 30 years, you know. They they, see fires, right? They have different – They they have a different thing, right? They don't need snow plows. They need snow plows in Maine. They need fire trucks in in San Diego and other places. Like – they don't need to be working together to, to figure out their own shit. And they also don't need to be sending bombs across to blow each other up for no fucking reason. And that's how I feel about war on any other countries. It's like, why? Like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Why, why am I going over to your place and blowing up your shit and you're coming over to mine and blowing up mine just because the government's told us to? I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. I think most 99.99% of us could agree with that sentiment and just like, okay, well, world peace. <laughs> like we can end, we, we don't need to be doing that shit. It seems, it seems simple, but it's not like a, such a simple ideal. Yeah. But I think ultimately what, and I could be wrong, 
I think it comes down, and and I don't know that it's always money, but I think a majority of the time it comes to what can I do with this dollar, yeah. and I've heard that it's less about the dollar and more about the power. Yeah, and which I mean, it could be I guess because you wouldn't go into government. Would Would you go into government if you just wanted money? I don't know how much money these guys really make, right? Because the president know, doesn't make that much money. He doesn't make that much money. It's not an important job. But then they leave the office and then they get paid tens of thousands of dollars for talking for 30 seconds. Right. Because they right? got that rapport. They got that power. They got that pull on all, whatever. Yeah. So then is it is it the power or is it the dollar? I think I think they, I, they go hand they in hand. Yeah, to some, they, go, to some they go together. You can have a fuck ton of power without having very much money, right? The, the yeah. president has a lot of power. power but he's not paid very much. Not, very, not paid very much. But then you have huge businesses that have a fuck ton of money that have a fuck ton of power yeah a lot of control over oil and gas and then and the governments and government right they, they can just feed money to the their politicians right. their local politician take them out go buddy buddy we're gonna have a couple cocktails yeah. and get sponsor you sponsor really that up. politician literally and then now hey by the way i also really want to pass this bill yeah gotcha okay <laughs> i got you and so i think keep them checks coming yeah, keep the check coming. I'll keep passing your bill. Yeah, whatever you want to do, I will Yeah, keep the checks rolling. And I think that it would be okay if the individual didn't get corrupt by what they were reading. Oh, shit. Okay, like this is the thing I agree with. Yeah, I get you're going to take me out. You're going to schmooze me. You're going to do all these things. But I ultimately have my own independent decision to say, yes, I will accept your bill or no, I won't. Right. And like – that's, let's say, uh, uh, like, that's, it's a quarter million dollars a year that I guess he makes, right? Yeah, I think so. You could probably do pretty okay with a quarter million. Oh, you're fine. You like, could, you could for, do for, for For the rest of everybody else, that's really, like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot like, of money. Let's not pretend that $250,000 a year is, like, anything to shake your head at. Correct. That is plenty of money. Yeah. Like, to be okay with that standard of living and not, yeah. like, looking at your friends and saying, well, he has a fucking boat and I don't have a fucking boat. If I say yes to this guy, I'm going to be able to afford a fucking boat. Yeah. Do you need a fucking boat? <laughs> Go ask your friend to ride on his fucking Beyond boat. boat. Yeah, you don't need <laughs> like, your own. Exactly. Like, God, this, it's, it should be, I wish it was more simple. I, I agree, but it's not. There's a quote that my, my dad likes, um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I'm sure you've heard that one before. For sure. And that's, it's, it's true. Like, and I guess I don't know if it's true. It seems to be true. I don't know if it, like the people who have power became corrupted because of the power or if they sought out that power because they were already that type of person. You know, I, I do not have a desire to be that type of person. I don't want to be the president. And I've told you that before. It's like, I think that is who we should put in politics. People who don't want the job. <laughs> like, as soon as you say, I want this job in politics, I was like, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to vote for you. Cause you definitely have a term limit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have one run. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that you, this is not a desirable position. At least it shouldn't be like running shit. And honestly, we don't need politicians forever. This is something that it should. That the one, that's the one that like, I think that it's, I, I, I'm not super against wanting to be a politician. I'm frustrated with. Wanting to be a politician forever. Like For your you're career. a career politician. Yeah. This is not okay. No, agreed. But I could want, like, if, if I think that to some degree, like, 
you're able to adv- advocate for a population that maybe doesn't really fucking care about the politics behind things. And you can get some donations from the federal government to make your downtown better. Because yeah. you then you, and I would want, personally, if I were to take that, it would be like a very local. local I want to just sure. stay here. This is where I live. <laughs> and that's, I want to take care of me and my people, yeah. right? Like, and then, but even, you don't have to be a politician for that. You can be a businessman for just that. Just part of the community. You can be part of the community. You can be a businessman, right? And I think yeah. being a businessman is being part, part of the community, community right? Yeah. You're providing a service for your local community. Yeah. And if it ends up, if you if your product or thing or invention ends up being bigger than that, then awesome. You're serving a larger community, but you're serving. Yeah. You're not taking. And doing nothing. Because <laughs> that's what it is. And honestly, like, I, I view society and government kind of like a business where it's like if you actually built it up and established it to be a functioning business, then you can take a step back. But that's not what they do. They don't, they, don't, they don't want this shit to actually work. They want to keep the problems constantly there to validate their own jobs so they can be a career politician and just stay in politics forever. And I'm not saying that like we can establish a perfect society where we don't need politicians ever, um, but I think we can establish a better system where in which we do not have career politicians and every however many years are necessary, we'll come back together and be like, all right, what's working? What's not working? What should we change? What should we adjust? Um, what should we be rid of? You know, And as a people, all the people, not politicians, will come to a collective agreement about the direction in which we would like to take our society. And then a couple years later, we'll reconvene again and, and have this address and be like, all right, well, what's working? And we don't need you constantly as a career politician every single day, you're trying to, to fix this shit without actually fixing anything and just validating your own position as a politician. You can't live without me because all this other shit. It's like, you're not contributing to society at all. Like if, 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 if politics weren't your career, what the fuck would you do? You have zero skills. You'd be, a, you'd be flipping McDonald's burgers, you know, for 15 bucks an hour, which is plenty. <laughs> it's, that's a little side tangent. We don't have to talk about that. It's, no, it's with the fifteen dollars an hour thing. I mean, I, I don't mind fifteen dollars an hour. I'm I, I'm totally okay with people making more per hour, but that okay, was just a making, fun. I think what I do think there are minimum wage high school kid type of jobs that are not necessarily meant to be. You can survive off of this money. That's a fair, that's a good that that's you a know, cool little. I've never really thought about that. like like when that's I, a cool point. Yeah, when I was in high school, I worked at a yogurt shop. Okay. Working at a yogurt shop, do you do you really – is that a I can survive off of this income for the rest of my life type of a job? I, I, don't, I don't really know if that qualifies as that point. But for a high school kid looking for work, trying to get some experience and real-world experience, great. Go out and do that and make, make some dollars. You know, you hopefully are living in a house where you don't need to be paying for your own rent or food or other things. And this is just for your own work experience. Once you get to a little further advance, you can make more money where you actually can provide for yourself. I don't know. I do think there are jobs that are high school jobs. Maybe people will disagree with that. Maybe even I will disagree with that later down the road. I don't know. I think that's a really cool point. Right? I t- I, that's You're bagging groceries at HEB. Do you really need training? Uh, maybe a little bit. Don't put the cans on top of the eggs, you know, or like... Common sense training where don't put the cans on top of the produce. Don't slam your shit. <laughs> don't slam the... the shit down. 
Uh, yeah, pack- communication skills. Like, can I help you out to the car? Right? Basic, basic stuff. But like, if you're in your thirties <sighs> and that's how you want to provide for your life, I don't. I, that, I'm just making a hypothetical here. There's so many different backstories that could lead you to that, where it's like I, you can't really make an all or nothing black and white statement. I don't believe in black and whites anyway. But that there are jobs that are not jobs that meant to be are meant to be a jobs. lifelong job. That's a really cool. Never really thought about that. Let the high schoolers get some experience with these and then flush them out. Like it's not a it's so not an important thing. What happens with the people that that do take their that job in? I mean, I think they're in their thirties and they're doing that job and. That's a good one. It's tough because honestly, it's like, should your income be based on your age? Probably not. Um, Mm. Mm -mm. But if you're in your 30s and that's that's the most you can contribute to society, if that is in fact the most you can contribute to society, then fine, pay you more. But like, I'm hard pressed to think that most adults are that limited in terms of what they can contribute. I am very conflicted with this. One. It is, it's a tough one. I, I, I myself like really will, 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 I'll, I'll kind of, I'll go back and forth on this one and I'll, I'll flip flop in my own head day to day. The, this, uh, I've never thought about this. This is, I, I think that, it, I, my, I had one therapist who told me that there is, there, that you need the people that don't want to do better in their lives just as much as you need the people that want to do better in their lives. You need those two. You need to have balance. The world will have balance, and that's the way that it sometimes has it. So, like, I, 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 I picture that that job being the step, like, level one. Yeah. Right? And then as you acquire more experience, then you slowly become, like, <clears throat> I think it's, like, checker, um, or bagger to checker. Right. You're, you're not just the one bagging the groceries. You're actually working the register. You make yeah. more now. Yeah. And I, I want to believe that we all have the capability to continue to level up. Of course. And we, that's actually a fact. I mean, I think it's a fact that everybody has that capacity, whether or not they, they have they, the capacity, whether or not yes. they want to admit it or not, or realize that everybody has the capacity to constantly be leveling up. I will say there are probably rare circumstances where some people will plateau and that is probably the limit for them. But they are like – they have limitations in some way, a disability or like you're going you're gonna to meet a plateau. I think for the majority of people, 99 plus percent, we can be leveling up throughout our lives. You have people who are intellectually disabled, yeah. right? That, 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 that's, the, that's, that's their limit. That's, that's where they're their at. Limit, and that's fine. That's, and that's okay. That's where they're at. I, yeah. I, Let's give them a wage that they can survive on because they are doing their best to contribute – and then, frankly, I, I think Which if you're think in that boat, right? yeah. But also in that boat, I don't think you necessarily have to contribute to society. If you're like, I think society should help you if you're in that sort of a boat. But I also think that contributing is helpful for mental health. Honestly, yeah. like sitting around doing jack shit when I was retired, it was nice. I was taking the break. I really enjoyed it. But the the uh, <laughs> the mental back. stimulation of actually contributing is put me in a much better mental state than when I was chilling. I needed to, I needed to do that. I've been struggling a little bit. Yeah. Like the you know, podcast is some sort of work. Like, I get it. Like it, like, it, it, like we Find do okay. To put your energy in. But I miss coaching and stuff. So I feel like I'm yeah. not contributing. Like, <laughs> contributing makes a big difference. Like mm-hmm. even though I, I like hopefully contributing 
not only just entertainment, but like some content and give give some people like something to think about. Like, yeah, think about what's going on in your existence and your like in your community, and in and holy what you can what you are providing for, even if it's for your kid, for your dog, for your small community, your immediate community, and then maybe even outside of that. Once this has become like something that you feel comfortable and confident in in providing for, yeah. but now it's like, well, what can I do for my neighbor? Like yeah. I learned how to make bread, right? I'm, like we couldn't, we couldn't, we can't afford our groceries, so I learned how to make bread, and I learned how to make a sourdough that I can now like recreate the sourdough, right? right. Like you I got can your do, starter sourdough germ. Got, got my starter. Door. So then I'm gonna share some with my neighbor. Yeah. Right? Like, think about what you can do, even if it's just so fucking micro, because it matters. Yeah. Like, it matters to your your friend, your family, your your dog, your cat, like, it your lawn. Right. Oh, I love lawn care. I don't have a lawn right now, and I get, I get like, not anxiety and not necessarily, I mean, kind of, but, like, I don't have anything to go out there and take care of. Like, I love having a good, clean lawn that I put a lot of effort in. And I planted the plants and I watered it or whatever the case may be. And, like, I look out there and see all the landscaping and it was, like, I put in effort and that's why it looks beautiful out there. I started picking up weeds the other day. I was like, man, I feel good picking up. Like, I'm going to do a little bit of weed work every single day. Yeah. And I pick some weeds out and I'm like, go back inside. Pick some weeds out. It just it feels good to contribute even if it's just for my little base of a community. Yeah. Like, and then you can, like, if some people are meant to do only just that, and I get that. And maybe they, they are only looking for $15 an hour because that's all they really need. And if that's the case, that's okay. That's okay. But yeah. I think that the opportunity for growth is definitely there. You can definitely do, like, you go from bagger to cashier to maybe, like, a, a manager floor manager. From, yeah. And then, because you're going to be acquiring skills that you don't realize that you are acquiring yeah. until you look back at the next bagger and you're like, hey, actually go ahead and put those here and then bag them this way because, like, you're, you're going to see this. that experience. And then you're going to make them that much better, which yeah. ultimately makes us that much better. Yeah. Right? Like, and, but you wouldn't have had the opportunity to learn how to communicate that thing that way if you never became a manager. Right. And, and speed up their process of learning so that they can be there with you and then maybe bring something new to the table or a new perspective. And now you're collaborating. Yeah. Like the opportunity is definitely there. For sure. Like I don't, I don't know if you currently watch a whole lot of NBA basketball or anything like that. Um, not really. With the, the NBA Lakers right now, uh, there's a player on there. I think this is a, either his second or his third year on the team, um, Austin Reeves. He was not drafted, so he was picked up. You know, after after the draft, some of the pictures of him at his first year at at LA were with LeBron James. You can see like his bug eyed, like he is uncomfortable. He put himself in an uncomfortable situation by being in the NBA, working that hard, getting to the, and he's like, oh my, I am <laughs> right next, and you can just see it. He is overwhelmed. That's so cool. Right now they're in the playoffs, and and he this is now his second or third year. He's balling absolutely balling out and it is so him. much fun to watch Good for him. this last game he was making a bunch of threes and then after he made some he was literally like run up the court and like i'm him ah! like just, and i'm just like dude, dude that old photo to where you're just like that bug-eyed newbie on the court to being i'm fucking him i'm here and lebron's on the court playing with him and he's Ooh. they're still playing together and he's making the statement because he made the three and LeBron's on the court and they're all just – it's like you need to put yourself in that. You need to be that bug-eyed, uncomfortable, like 
fuck, I, I, I'm, I am stretching myself. I am stretching myself hard here in order to get to that level of achievement. You're never going to get to that next level of achievement if you just stay in that comfort zone. Because, like, he was not comfortable. And, he, and LeBron's being a mentor, you know, telling him this, that, and he's just trying to take it all in as best as you can. And just seeing the dividends pay out almost immediately, it's, it's pretty damn cool to watch. We're designed to adapt. We, exactly. Like, you want to be better, put yourself under pressure, and you will be better. You I, want to be lax, and you'll be lax. It was like taking okay, – I had, I had a couple different options. I could either go and work for a home builder. I could – I, I got to the third interview with, with a financial firm. And then I was sitting here in this room, and I was like, I've invested this much money. Mm-hmm. I've invested this much time. What if I take a couple months – of not working and take the risk here because mm-hmm. I either take the risk in a sales position with a home builder that maybe I sell enough or maybe I jive well enough with this company that they want to keep me around for long enough that I can reap the rewards of sales six months later that I could sell for a financial firm where you need three to six months saved up or where I have three to six months saved up and make sales for me. Yeah. All right. Backs up against the wall. We have three different decisions. Which one do we make? And knowing, I think I had to go through the point of being successful in sales for other people and then being successful in a project management role for another individual and finally saying, I have enough back. I have it. I've got the background. I got the background. I, like it's a, it's a validation. Like it was always it, it was it was always kind of there, but needed to be kind of massaged. Yeah. Needed to be trained, but then finally just taking like finally having enough validation for myself to say, let's fucking go. Yeah. All right, let's do it. And then one sponsor, two sponsors, three sponsors, like. Just fucking keep going. Don't quit. Like, do what you did for some... Because I did it for somebody else, right? Yeah. It's like, how many times we are so more apt to do it for somebody else when the opportunity is right in front of you and we just don't want to take that leap? It's scary to take... To, it's scary to be under pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, in that same exact example, Austin was not having a good time. <laughs> he was out there. I'm sure. He was... And, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I can probably show you the photos after this where he's just like... He's hyperventilating and just I like want, I want those photos. big <laughs> eyes. And I'm just like, dude, you are so overwhelmed right now. But I, I kind of saw it and I was like, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow his because I think that I think that he's got that dog in him where it's like this is going to this is going to pay off. And it's starting to show. Imagine how much he learns. Like just to be around people oh, like right? that. You're just like, holy shit. Like, yeah. and, and, and let yourself be overwhelmed. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't try to be like, I'm good. He's like, no. He was like, I am overwhelmed. He didn't stop, though. You don't stop. You, you keep going. He's on the court every single game, you know, out there practicing, doing this, the shots, listening to the LeBron and these other experts. Like, could you imagine a better mentor? Jesus I know. Christ. <laughs> Come on. For, I mean, for, like, damn. <laughs> and, like, he just happened to be on that same team. But he took that opportunity where it's like, 
this is that person who's there right now. This is this is the time. It is now. This is here. I'm I'm all in, all fucking in, and I'm a fan. I, I am now like 100% a fan of this guy. Because like, be a fan. I think like that story. It just it, it's just something that's so relatable. Yeah. Because even if you, there's so many people that never made the jump. Yeah. That can hear that story and be like, fuck yeah. Either I I hope that people are more like. Fuck yeah, good for him. Yeah. Not just, man. I wish. Yeah, right? Like, I'm, how could he? Like, yeah. he's just going to fail and just waiting for a failure rather than just accepting the fact that good for you, you didn't do that. And there's no, the, you don't got to be mad at him at all. for taking the risk. And you should be proud of somebody else who did it because yeah. it gives us, it sets an example for other people that are wanting to do the same thing and just maybe don't have that person in their lives that they can see and say, Yes, like it, they don't have a mom or a dad or a sibling that can be like, man, they took the risk. They yeah. they can see the athlete and be like, they fucking they and they were not comfortable and they talked about it and I'm not comfortable, but instead of following my mom's or dad's footsteps, I'm gonna fucking do what he did. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna I'm gonna like I follow, but like I'm not gonna. He also wasn't drafted, and I love those like undrafted success stories where it's like you were not picked. From that, however many rounds, I think the NBA is only like two rounds, but still, like you had to work, you had to not accept that failure, and be like, I'm gonna keep working my ass off, so I'll be drafted to a team, probably on a practice squad for a little while. He's not gonna get drafted straight up to the fucking starting, and work your way up there. You got to be the hardest worker on that practice squad. Prove that you are gonna put in that work, and you're gonna be uncomfortable. You're gonna if if they take you and move you up. And that that promotion is gonna make you uncomfortable, and you got to be okay with that. And frankly, I think a lot of people are, well, these people who are in positions of the capacity to promote, you know, certain people to certain points, look for that where it's like that promotion is gonna make you uncomfortable. Can you handle it? And like sometimes they get it wrong, sometimes they get it right. And with him, they 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 pff, fucking nailed it because he he took that and just just ran with it. And I hope he does really well in his career. Honestly, like I. And I'll, I'll keep watching. Starting. It's just starting. Yeah, he's a, he's a rookie. He's two or three years into the league, just getting kicked off, and like the confidence gain is incredible, just absolutely incredible. No more bug eyed, no more <laughs> like what? No, no. Like he's he's got that. Where at, at times on the court, he is the one. He is the one who just did the fucking thing, and he's gonna tell you how to. He's gonna mentor you now because he went through all of it. I love those stories. God, it gets me. I just it gets me riled up in all sorts of ways. Oh yeah. Like, it just, just. I talked to a guy earlier today, Roman Gomez, and he took. Um, he'll come out probably in a couple of weeks. Um, he took out a loan. He he didn't know that he wanted to get in the strength and conditioning world. Yeah. And ended up like going to play professional baseball at, at like a NIA level. So like. So no, that was so NIA I guess is is college, and then after that he ended up doing like minor league, like a yeah like a minor a minor league, but it was independently owned and not a. It's called independent versus a. It wasn't like the minor league baseball, like what we all think of as the minor league. 
under. So you have two different types of minor leagues within the minor league. You have one oh, okay. that's in, independently owned, and you have another one that's aff- affiliated with like the Astros. The Astros have, right, have a minor league for a minor league. Yeah. So versus you have an independent that just some guy owns. So it's a completely separate. I see. But I think they compete. I could be wrong, they, but I think they compete against each other. Like they're in the same league, mm-hmm. but you have in, like some that are just independently owned. And you have some that are affiliate. Right. Okay. Um, and he had the opportunity he he got a he got he got a deal to go and he wasn't going to pay very much but he was like you know what, I want to fucking I'm going to try this yeah and took out a loan and ended up being okay with it and then make and then got an internship at the Dominican Republic to be a to be Republic to be a it's a good place to start to play baseball that's that's their sport yeah that's what they do yeah <laughs> Um, to be a strength and conditioning coach for the team down there. And he was okay. like, you had people making $100,000 a year, and you had people making millions of dollars a year Damn. as like, athletes. And he was like, you yeah. come, like, I was like, I was coming in as like, this person didn't really know very much, but I took a loan and I bet on myself because I wanted to do this thing, and I wanted to make a difference. And yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. And then now he's like, now he's at A&M Baseball. And A&M okay. Baseball is huge. Pretty big, yeah. Huge, right? If, like, he's like, we went from, you know, like, the, like, Shit equipment to no strength and conditioning coaches to now like hey, I'm a strength and conditioning coach at this huge place with these like some of the best coaches in the in the nation. Yeah, it's like just taking it like the people that take the chance and take the action to do the thing are just the most inspiring people. Yeah, because so many of us were gonna sit by the sidelines. Espe- yeah, especially when the bet's on yourself, like when it's like either I win or I fail. Fuck, I'm going to try really fucking hard. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if it's whether or not you win or fail, and, you know, I'll try. But that's not me. If the thing fails, I'm going to be like, wash my hands of it and just walk, you know, step away. If it's on me, I, I, every fiber of my being, I am going to 100% be in on that because I don't want to fail. And, and I think that's why these success stories, success stories happen. They're the most beautiful success stories, and they make me so happy to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it's it it's it's both so humbling, but so motivating. Because I think that they're no different than anybody else. They are a human at the most base level. Yes, they are human with the same human emotions of fear. And an and understanding of risk. And maybe some people are more blind to that risk. But they still, like, th- there's no way you don't see that, right? It, it's it, at a foundation level, I'm taking a risk on myself. Yeah. And to, to pull that trigger and pull that loan. To, to pull that trigger and, and sometimes people really want to work at a specific um a dentistry office that does the best dentistry in the world. And like, that's, that's what they do. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to want an internship with them. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to show up to their fucking door and say, I want to work here, please. And like that, there's no way anybody can ever look at that and be mad at that person. Right. For fucking trying. Yeah. Or if they are, those are the type of people who get mad at like just success stories in general. They get mad at some, like, Austin Reeves, I'll get mad at him for having the success in the NBA. And it's like, dude, the effort that got put in was the reason why they got that dividend that paid off at the end. They bet on themselves. And you're mad about it because you're not doing that. 
ultimately. Like that, anybody who gets upset about it, it's more so speaks to them and their own character and less so about the actual person that they are talking shit on. At least that's how I kind of view those. People who get mad at other people's success stories. It's like, why are you mad that this other person is being successful? They're not taking away from your capacity to be successful. That's, that's, that's you. You're mad at you for not, you know, putting in the effort. And, I, and I'm not advocating for, like, the grind mentality or, like, the, you need to wake up at 6 a.m. every single day and do this and work, 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 and your entire life is your career. Like, I'm not, I'm not feeding into that. I think that's pretty toxic. I don't, I don't think that's healthy for society, nor necessary. Like, it's not necessary. There's, it's not necessary. There's 8 billion of us on this goddamn planet. We do not need to be working eight hours a day every single day, all of us, for the rest of our lives. That is absolutely absurd. Like, there, there's not enough jobs to go around for all of us to do that. And there's um, going to be less and less as time goes on. Exactly. Like, again, kind of relating back to the $15 an hour thing, there's a reason why they, those employees were replaced with robot menus to order our own food because that's cheaper than paying a cashier at the front to enter all that information in for us so we're kind of fucking ourselves over (laughs) where it's like we're going to be replaced by artificial intelligence but how do we then still compensate people for being on this planet if there's not enough jobs for all of us because i don't i honestly don't think there are there's not enough jobs for eight billion of us to constantly be working what, what what do we do with all those people do we just give them money for existing? Like, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard society question where it's like. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I think about what potential that, you know, I had a podcast with Steve Sutton uh-huh. and he talks about like this being the next thing because there's now, he, he had talked about the, 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 the McDonald's that are going to be entirely run by robots. Right. And then as that job becomes more and more taken over by an AI, then the thing that's going to be the biggest thing is another artistic revolution. Right. Okay. Like, I, I remember that podcast a little bit. The creative, creative elements will be more valuable as opposed to actual services like a McDonald's employee. And he's like, what you're doing now is what will be how you do things later. Yeah. And it's a much more optimistic view of the future than I have. I I like it though. I like it. Because it's to an extent, right? It's like, how many podcasts can there really exist? How many people really have something to say? Right. And who's actually going to continue to pay me for that constantly? At some point, we will convenience ourselves into like, there's nothing left for us to do. (laughs) Who's going to make money? Like, what is money? What is money at, at that, that point? What is money? What is what? Like, why? We, the robots grow our food. They harvest our food. They give us the food. We do the things. Like at at, at some point, and and I, I hope I'm dead before this happens. <laughs> like I hope I'm dead before society reaches this point because I don't want to be around for for trying to figure this shit I can't out. Imagine. Right? Like like what 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 is what is compensation going to look like? Are we still going to use money? How are how, how are you going to determine? Uh, societal value that you bring and then like that's that's what money is supposed to be is you bring more value to society you get more money it's drifted pretty far from that i think but like that that is what the og intention was at least in my own head and then it's become corrupted along the way but we will get to that point where things are so convenient that we are literally running out of jobs to do you just give people stipends every month like it was during quarantine (laughs) But what is what is that dollar worth? Right. What is it? What is it worth? What is what do we do with it? What what's the what the hell's the point? 
Um, it's 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 fascinating and scary and like I don't know. Like I, I hope I'm not around. I don't want to be around for that part of I of know. societal. Uh, I don't know what the word would be. Change. Change. Just it, for the most simple. Yeah. Life. Very very yeah that that part of the change yeah. I evolution. I hope that I. I I kind of selfishly hope that I am around for it. You know, like a little bit. Like I kind of want to see what I happens. Wanna, like, what, <laughs> I hope I'm you, really old while yeah. that happens, so it's like, okay. How are we I'm figuring out. this out? You know, like, <laughs> are, are we getting stipends? Because I, I, I know very little about the the subject behind the, the, the dollar no longer being, like, as strong as a currency because yeah. the Chinese and the Russians are getting together. And the Indians, and they made, they're doing something else. They're doing their they're, own they're not using central the currency. Anymore. Yeah. And so what does that do to the dollar? What does that do, especially with the amount of inflation that's happened recently? Like, what does that look like? But then what does a dollar mean or go for? And then how do we attribute any right. value? I just, I, I don't get it. I, I want to know. I, I, I have no real answer. I have no real idea. Yeah. And I hope that there are other, and I doubt it's politicians that are really thinking about it because I don't know that they think this far down the road. But it's, <laughs> They certainly would not put together a plan that's going to work beneficially for everybody. Nah. No. They, they, they would put together a plan where they get everything and we are fucking slaves to the AI well, or some whatever. Like, that's robots already, can't <laughs> sign laws. Yeah. <laughs> we can't let them do that. Yeah. But they've created entire bills. No. No, we need to review those bills <laughs> to make sure that they didn't fuck up. Okay. Alright. Sure. But I think, you know, like, uh, just to touch on that topic of like, I think ultimately it's not it's not perpetuating this idea of the the eighty hour work week. Yeah, it's to have the that that the victim mentality doesn't reign. Right, that that's not the way that thing that people think. It's I started getting uh, like I even having my parents, and my 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 brother, my sisters here at the house, like in the first kid to buy a house and the first kid to have like two degrees and the first the to like to do fairly well it's like can i talk about this like my dad was like we spent so much money on this 50 dollar bottle i'm like <laughs> i had 300 dollars shots yeah a couple weekends ago like <laughs> this is you know like but i swear there are some people that they will look at that and be like why are you spending that fucking money? It's like, well, because I Cause can. Because I've worked for it. Yeah. Like, and it's really nice to to talk to you specifically about like some like a level of finance. It's like I had this like it's this good day of sales for the podcast, and you think you told for, me about it when for, it happened for investments and things like that. It's like, man, if I continue this 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 thing then this will continue to be like a real livelihood and we can make this work and it's yeah. like I feel comfortable telling you about that versus there are some people you tell that to then they're like how why him right and same like same thing with you like for like hearing about your success I'm like fuck yeah we're right? going to Vegas together we're gonna like, <laughs> travel like because then like now you have somebody that like you can continue to cheer on, and then right. like they're doing well for their lives. They're able to pay their bills plus some, plus the luxuries that that are existent in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, and they've worked for them. They deserve them because 
they wouldn't, theoretically, they wouldn't be able to make that much money if they didn't earn it. Yeah. So there has to be some sort of validation and some sort of like appreciation for that other, other individual doing the thing that they did. Yeah. It's cool. And I think that that's like necessary for society. Like even if we moved to a point where things are so convenient and like we don't need to work anymore, there's still going to be that desire to produce something, whether it's a podcast or other forms of artwork for society. And that's probably where that your finance, your money will come from where it's like you can produce something more that other people are not putting in that work for. And I, I, I still think that there is the harder you work, the more that you will earn. I know that's not 100% facts. Um, I think I told you before about that, that Elon Musk tweet or whatever about working 60 hours a week or whatever the hell for, for so many years and, and people still say I'm lucky. And I was like, dude, you are lucky. You, you did not outwork every single other human being on this goddamn planet. Like, I guarantee you are not the hardest worker here. But you are the highest paid person as far as I know currently. I'm sure there are people who are keep their sense of the shadows who I are think, paid more. I think the Saudis uh, are, are paid, paid more. more. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. But to the same extent, it's like you have to acknowledge – you don't have to. But, like, acknowledge the fact that you did get very fortunate along the way. I know plenty of other people whose parents work – multiple jobs, 60 plus hours a week, and they do that out of necessity because they don't earn enough to actually provide anything for their families. And you're saying that you were earned your billions of dollars by doing that amount of effort. It's like, they're not billionaires, dude. You got lucky along the way. You bought out companies, you had other people who worked with you. You, you made some good moves. I'm not gonna deny the fact that you made some good moves along the way, but there's a lot of fortune that comes to that point. Nobody is... Nobody is a self-made billionaire. I hate that term. That's the stupidest term I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. Yeah. Self-made billionaires. Like, really? Did you actually physically earn every single one of those billions of dollars? Or did you have people along? Every, every single one of them had people along the way or moves that they made, advice that they took. Nobody makes it there by themselves. So let's stop pretending that there are self-made billionaires out there. That's not a fucking thing. It's never, it's never been a thing. No, it's not a thing. That's a, that's a, that's, that is a big-ass lie that they tell you to try to justify the fact that they have all of that and you don't because I worked all this. Like, I'm not denying the fact that you didn't work hard. I'm not trying to take that away from you. But you are a billionaire because you had a lot of fortunate occurrences along the way. And now I may have never taken those initial stand, there was no chance I was going to be a billionaire. No, no dentist is a billionaire. Um, yeah, not yet. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> but like the, the, the investments that we take and the, the, they are much more safe. This yeah. is not a high risk, high reward type of a thing. You did very high risk, high reward and it worked out for you. There were 999,000 other people who were doing the exact same shit you were trying to do, and they did not make it. And the reason you're a billionaire is because of those other 999,000. Damn right. Like, it is, it is not because you outworked all of them. You might have outworked a good amount of them, but not all of them. And you just happened to make the right moves along the, right, the way and happened to have the right people along the way. And they did not, and theirs did not work, and yours did. You were fortunate. Like, let's stop pretending... Like you actually earned your billion dollars. Even me, even me with, 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 with the money that I make as a dentist, I did not earn all of that. 
I had people along the way. I was born into a family with my dad was a dentist. My grandpa was an orthodontist. I had dentists in the family. I had influences along the way. I had people help me. I had professors and teachers and other mentors and other sorts of fashions and current employers that I work for that helped me to develop and, and earn what I earn. Um, is it a billion dollars? No, not even close. <laughs> but is it plenty to survive on? For sure. Um, but did I personally earn all of that? Just me? No. You wouldn't have been able to do it alone. I wouldn't be able to do it alone. You can't do the receptionist job. You can't do the no. insurance job. You can't do the hygienist job and right. be the doctor. You just, you can't do it alone. Yeah. Like there are some dentists who own a private office and they basically do everything, but that is becoming wildly uncommon. And like they are not the most productive sort of offices. You know, one of the docs I work with, her office is kind of like that. And she'll see four people a day, maybe Damn. at that office. Meanwhile, I, I'm seeing 15, 16, 17 usually. Um, what kind of value are you bringing your t- to your community at that point? Like you went to right. all this school to keep it that. And I would love to see four people a day and still earn and produce a good amount on that. But I, I have the capacity to see more for sure. And, and there, there, I guess there's a bit of a balance in, in that specific st- like sense. Um, I think it makes you a better doctor to see that. Like to a point, like maybe 30 patients a day isn't way the too ideal. Much. Yeah. But 10 to 15 – I think that's You're able to see reasonable. enough clients that you can get a better understanding of all the different one community like communicators out there. Yeah. And then also all the different cases that are out there. Yeah. Not every mouth is the same. Not at all. And like in one day, if I'm seeing 10 to 15, which is a pretty typical day, I'm seeing the same number of people that they'll see in a week. Or you know, or, or multiple days and it's like the the value I'm bringing to society is quite a bit more because I'm seeing all these other people and I'm not missing things. I'm not I'm not so slammed like when it was 30, you know, where it's like you, you literally do not have the time to see every single person because that's just absolutely insane. There, there, there's a balance there's eight hours to strike there. 30 people. Right. Like try, try to divide that up. And then you're also doing treatment on some of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not seeing that. Right. It's you're not just too. exam, exam. You're, you're trying to do something else, filling, extraction, other shit. Like, yeah, it's not just seeing them. Yeah. It's crazy. What a good podcast. It's a pretty good one. We got a lot of good subjects in here. A lot of good ones. (laughs) A lot of good ones. I like this one a lot. It's one of my favorite ones. It's been pretty solid. It's been a while. Has it? What are we at? I don't know, but it's. I'm not getting bored. Same. I think I see a three on there. Nice. We're at 304. Let's go. This is probably the best three-hour podcast I have ever done. (laughs) Uh, It's a long time. It is. when, When else... Do you ever get three hours of conversation in your life? Very you rarely. Know? Very rarely. Especially with like one specific, I know we talk about a bunch of different shit, but like one kind of thread, very rare. I don't know that everybody, I think that it's be, ah, man, I don't know if this is going to be a right statement, but I think I don't think that everybody can hold the conversation for that long, but at the same, because because you have to be conscious yeah, the true. entire time. Like you, like there's definitely times where you'll kind of stray away, but if you stray away for too long, you don't know what that person's talking about. Then right. you've missed enough. Then you're like, ah, oh, fuck, right? <laughs> it, you have to stay so present in that conversation. I think like I talked about somebody earlier today. It's like you have these like sometimes you'll have a like a 
a trailing thought and you're like, nope, hey, shut the fuck up over here. Like, right. and I think that it's kind of a meditation and it's, I mean, I, I fucking, I, I love it. It's, it's the best. It, it is. It, I, you build like real relationships, I think. Yeah. And there is some like mental fortitude to like actually sitting there and holding a conversation with someone for a certain amount of time where it's like, you need to be actively engaged. And if you're not okay with being in your own head for that long period of time, then you're going to struggle with it. And I, therapy has helped me with that to be okay with being in my own head for, for that long a period of time and like actively engaging in conversation where I'm sharing my own thoughts. I'm not looking towards some external entity or other person to, to feed me what I need to say. And it's just purely that, that conversation. I think it kind of spoils me in some sorts of ways. Cause now when I'm on like, when I, I went to the chamber of commerce thing and I, and I hate stuff like that. And I like chamber of commerce, I did a speaking event for the, for the podcast and the same thing. I just, you, you, it's a networking event. I've mm-hmm. I, I have several networking events that are just like, Hey man, how's it going? Oh, it's great. How's the weather? Oh, it's great. Oh yeah. How are the kids? Oh, they're fine. How are yours? They're great. Okay. The next person. It's like, fuck this. Right. Thing. <laughs> And so being in those situations, when you have like three people, I've been in situations where I like, I'll have one guy like talking to me and then all of a sudden this guy like will walk in and then the conversation happens here and then there's like no acknowledgement of my existence and I'm just like listening and like there's no real time to interject and they're just like having this like what seems to be like a recited like banter and then you'll, I will, I will interject even if it's a one-on-one interject and it be just somebody trying to get their next word in. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you're trying to say, yeah, man. And then the other day, well, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know about that. When was the other day? It's like, what? The... I didn't even start my thought. <laughs> like go for it. That's fine. Right. right. And then you let them talk. Then you try to interject. You're like, you're trying to, you, I don't think it's out of the, I wouldn't call it interjecting. I think it's just communicating. Yeah. You're trying to like add to the conversation. And then they're just like, so fast to inter like interject into your conversation it's like okay we're not we're not really talking here right just have your fun talk because it makes you feel good and right. then we're just gonna walk away say all your words so i can just be done <laughs> i hate it and like i think this is it does spoil me because now i and maybe this is the wrong way to think but i feel like i've gotten pretty good at communicating in some sorts of ways it's like spending hours doing it with lots of different people like getting better at it and getting better at what the the production style is thing. Yeah. But like communicating is ultimately the goal. Cause if I walk away from this and I never, like I never get paid a dollar, then I will be a better communicator than I was when I first started. For sure. Like, yeah. Like, like we talked about this the other day, like the, the hardest part of learning to sell certain things. Like I did the door to door sales, selling, doing pest control, knocking on people's doors. And for a while, it's a script. You know, I, I have my script kind of memorized and I'm just kind of going through it. And then once you get good at that script, the hardest part is when it's like, all right, time to forget it. Forget the script. You have it all up there. Now just go conversate with people because otherwise it just comes across as rote. And when you're practicing the script and it's still fresh in your head, it doesn't feel that way because it's not. You don't have it memorized. Once it gets to a point where it, it is that just scripted, how are your kids? How's the weather? How's this? How's that? It's like you're just going through a list of questions that have absolutely no emotion behind it. You, you're just going through a checklist at that point. Forget the checklist and now conversate. You can ask a lot of those similar questions along the way, um, but now you don't need to be like have that whole map in your head where it's like they respond this way, I go that. They respond this way, I go that. Because that works when you're learning 
the script, but once you know it, it's more about the feel and just communicating with people. And it's like, they might've said this, but their tone was in a different way. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go this direction rather than that direction. Cause in, and then it's, just, it's real. You're actually just there communicating with the person rather than just reciting what you memorized. You are communicating. Yeah. Right. I think earlier you Actively, said managing. You're there. You are communicating. Yeah. You are active. It's active. It's a verb. It is, it is something that you are actively doing. It is not just recitation. You're not just regurgitating blah, 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 whatever you happen to have learned and all of this, this stuff. And I, I still do. I still struggle with this even as a dentist because there are certain ways that I have come up with to describe certain procedures to people that makes it understandable to them but also brings in some of like the technical nuances that I understand so they, they understand what's going on. And I have those like scripts in my head. And if I just fall into the habit of this is da, 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 I, I catch myself. I've been talking to this. I've been talking at this person for like 10, 15 minutes. And they're just, they're just nodding along. And then at the very end, I'm just like, does that make sense? And they're like, yes. <laughs> I do now. Right, I'm good. I did my job. Whereas it's like, if I'm, if I'm on my shit and I'm doing well, I, I, I explain things and I kind of check in along the way. And instead of that question, does that make sense? And they just, yep, that makes sense. Oh, I, do you have, Whatever, doctor. Right. Sure. Right. Any questions? How does that sound? You know, like, like more, more open to them. And you ask that along the way rather than like, let me get my spiel out really quick and then get to uh, any questions. And it's like... No, because you just vomited all these words on me. <laughs> it's like uh, how many times I think we've all I think we've all experienced that guy, you know? Oh, like, I'm sure. Fucking trying to, we've all I mean probably been like the, the bagger or the whatever. Yeah. And then you have you have the person that's like, what? <laughs> like, oh fuck, my bad. Like, I, I, you actually asked? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Actually, I don't really. What did I say? What did I say again? <laughs> like that will happen where it's like I was so in my my own like memorized and wrote element that I don't even know what I said. <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> it's just purely on autopilot. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's so fun. Yeah, and it's hard because I think being on autopilot is easier. It's more convenient. Oh, yeah. If if you can just be on autopilot, you can just coast. But People pick up on that and that you will not be growing and you will not be actually communicating with people. They'll be like, he's not actually here. He's, he doesn't care about this. He doesn't know what's going on in my mouth. He's just writing a script and like there, there's no emotion to it. There's no care that goes along with it. And because they're so anti-confrontational, instead of asking a question or they're just look seeking, come back. Right. They're just going to say, yeah, it makes sense. And they're exactly. They're not going to come back. And you could be the best doctor in town. Right. But if you're just vomiting your words all over him with your script, they're, they're not going to get the treatment by the best doctor in town because of your inability to deliver and communicate actively. God, that bedside manner matters so damn it, much. It definitely does. God, sure. it just makes me think about like – about the podcast, it's just, it, I, I can I can relate it back to the, the but even personal training or in sales, right? It's like I can ask the same five questions when someone walks into the house and okay, have we gotten approved? Okay, um, what kind of size of a house are we looking for? 
and I could either decide to hear that statement, right? Or I can say in my own head for whatever reason, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and decide. they are this. They're looking for that. Yeah, they look like they have three kids. They're or they have they have they don't have any kids. They're probably fine. They're probably with like a like a fifteen hundred square foot house. They're fine. Like I, I know like I know my favorites. Right. For, for what they look like, so I'm just going to take them to these couple. When you didn't listen to the fact that they left their three kids inside the car and or they're they have a baby on the way and they're looking to upgrade Expand, in size. Yeah. And and so they they started at a sixteen hundred. They really didn't want to stay at sixteen. They really wanted nineteen to twenty two hundred or so. And and instead, you were like, eh, they just got them too, right? right. You, just, you don't, they don't actually need listen. more. Yeah, you don't actually listen. When you could have made, in that situation, maybe a, a $40,000, $60,000 higher sale, which is- With a bigger house. Which yeah. is what they needed and wanted. You're not, you're not, up, you're not selling not them, right? No. You're not upselling them on something they didn't want or need. Yeah. You just listened to what they were asking you for right. and then provided that thing yeah. or didn't provide that thing. Yeah, do your thing. I didn't realize what time it was. Oh, it's all, I'm still all good. I'm looking forward to watching this because I know that uh, when I have to go to the bathroom, I wiggle. So I, <laughs> I do a little. You little. wiggle. I wiggle. I was wondering I, what I the wiggle. wiggling was. Uh, can we close that? Yeah, if you don't mind. Let me close that. Yeah, I can definitely. But yes, I, I've I, been noticing the wiggle for oh, like the last man. several minutes. Oh, now. it's been like 20 minutes where I've been like, I yeah. probably could go, and I've just been wiggling. Oh, dude, you can always just get up. <sighs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I am excited that I, I hope that you will be a reoccurring guest for like what? perpetuity, right? Plan on it. Um, I think it would be really. I, I think what's cool about this podcast, like I, I get a lot of really awesome things about our, our our podcast together I think it's because we already have like we have a good relationship outside of here yeah, we chat like this all the time we chat like this all the time this, <laughs> this is normal conversation yeah. this and, is usual yeah and so like it's it's I think it's comfortable for both individuals and I think I hope that I think other, I, they they notice but then it's only gonna get better like yeah. we're, like we're only gonna know each other more and see each other's lives for for a long period of time like it's it it's it's just it's a really cool relationship and for sure God forbid anything happens either me or you die in like right. the middle of <laughs> Jesus this, yeah never know <laughs> you never know you never know like this will exist on the internet and yeah like I would go back and listen to oh, this. For if you sure. died, then I'd be like, me? "Man, dude, remember those? Miss that guy? Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> fuck, man. Like, god damn. Yeah. You know? Like, some really like it's makes me both very sad, but also very happy at the same that time. You have that it, moment. Yeah. Always have that moment. You know. Yeah. Like, and I, you never get to recreate for sure any like the way you say something, the way the vibe is, the way that like it exists. I like. It's its own it's thing. It's its own thing. Yeah, it, it exists as that moment, which is pretty damn cool. It's so fucking beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, like back to what you were saying, though, like I've done that at work plenty where I see someone and I pre kind of determine what their financial capacity may or may not be. And I let that dictate my treatment plan for that person. And I might be not giving them the best plan because I assume that they cannot afford the best plan. And then they might not go through with it because they're like, I mean, I don't know if I want to do a, a partial denture. You know, I, I would rather have an implant for that that tooth that's missing. You know, that's that's more expensive of a treatment. But I made the assumption 
that they can't afford that based on any number of potential factors that can make me draw that conclusion. Um, and then that I lose their business. Whereas it's like, if I gave them the best plan and expressed it as, or touch base with, this is what I'm trying to work on right now, where it's instead of just like, I'm going to give you what the plan is. I'm going to ask them, you know, there's a missing tooth over here. Are you, are you wanting to replace that? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Would you want something that's going to stay in your mouth at all times? Or would you want something that's going to be removable like a denture? I would rather have it stay in my mouth at all times. Okay. There are two different options here. We got the implant and we've got like a bridge or, you know, and I'm letting them kind of lead the dance. I have all of the expertise, but I'm asking them the questions, let them lead the dance. So they decide that I want the implant or I want the bridge or I want the denture, you know, I want the cheap option. And they'll ask me that sometimes, you know, do you want something that's removable or something that stays? Which one's cheaper? The removable one is going to be cheaper for you. If if you want to as affordable as possible, that that's the way that we're going to go. And like, when I do it that way, the, the, the patients understand that I'm hearing them and I'm giving them their plan, not my plan. It still is my plan, but it's it, what they want is incorporated into that. It'd be the same thing for those home sales where it's like you need to listen to what they want and then you're going to make the plan based on that scaffold and that structure that they give you. I, st- I, I think that you are still the leader in those situations. I think that it has to be like you're a subtle leader. Right. You don't want to push too much or too far, right? It's like, almost a game. Like, you don't want them to know that you're leading it. Like, you they, want to give them the impression that they're leading it, but you're actually the one who's kind of directing the, 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 the direction. And I think that it can be, like, I think you were going to say game, right? And, game. and yeah. it's, you know the game you like i i'm like they're coming to you not knowing their options right. so technically you know the rules and you i know, know the, the board game. i can direct you through this game better than but you can only guide them so much as they're willing to give information yes. yeah. over that board right and so yeah. i think that like as as bad of a of a um what's the word um What's the, oh man, um, as bad as a connotation that the word game brings, right? I think it's like, well, we're not playing like it's a game, but it's not like a bam. I'm not trying to bamboozle you. I know the rules there. of this board, I'm not trying to trick you, but I know the hints, I know the back ways, I know the rules of this game. I want to direct you to it because I know the rules. I'm not trying to trick you into what I want. I'm not saying there aren't other people who out there who would then try to manipulate you and trick right. you and, and do all that shit. But that's where you got to communicate, talk, ask your questions to your dentist. And if they can explain things to you and make you feel comfortable and everything's making sense, go, go with that, that dentist, and you know, you go really along with them. Don't feel comfortable with that person. Then don't, don't go with them. Don't. Yeah. Like you can ask if, if I think the game comes in like, the, like the reason that comes into bad connotation is like, Oh yeah, no, the, the, the implant would be a cheaper option for you. Right. When you know that it's not, right. and you know they can't afford something, or you or you think that like you know like they've asked for the cheaper option, right? And like you need to get the implant. That's and the only the, thing. The you implant's can do. the only one that we do here, knowing that you offer a denture. Yeah. And putting that person in a hole—that's where the game comes in. Yeah. But that person's just a shit doctor, a shit person. And you should be able to pick up on that by communicating with them, and you'll kind of 
figure that out. And don't be so closed off to not trusting yourself. If you ask the doctor questions and they don't answer those questions and they kind of skirt around things and, and you're getting vibes where it's like, this seems off to me, then, then find someplace else that does not feel off to you because you're probably picking up on something. And even if you're not, if you're going into a place where you feel good vibes and the other place is exactly the same, but you feel bad vibes, you're gonna have a better experience at the good vibes place. It might be the exact same result, exact same treatment, but your approach is feeling differently. You're gonna have a better experience over there. And I think we've kind of established a society where people don't feel comfortable enough to ask doctors questions or ask authorities questions, not just doctors, just an authority figure. You don't question, you do what they tell you to do. And I'm not a, we are a highly educated society. People, we have, all of us have the fucking internet in our pockets at all times. We can look things up. We can do research. We can educate ourselves. Ask questions. And if it doesn't feel right to you, find a, find a different way that feels right to you. There are, like, there are going to be people that, that try to game, but it's, I think, becoming harder and harder to try. And again, like, that that game that that word not used as like a, a bad manipulative word, but people that are trying to manipulate in a negative way, um, they're gonna be people. They're doctors and attorneys and things. And people that are out there, they're gonna try to do that. Yeah. Car salesman, I think the typical car that salesman, would be the right? stereotypical. Like, yeah, the stereotypical person, which I don't even think all the time is really the reality. Oh no, I've purchased cars and I've had great experiences with the car salesman I happen to work with. Same. Yeah. It, it but it's just asking like. Is that really the best deal? And then if you yeah. don't really trust that person, then say no today. Yeah. And go to a get a second opinion. That's go why those second else. opinions exist. Yeah. And like so you do, you do know the game better. Yeah. I do know my product better than you know my product. Yeah. But the you are open to ask questions. Do not For feel sure. like you can ever not ask questions. Yeah. And if you feel like something's off, then Ask one, two, three, and if you still don't feel comfortable, leave. Leave. Yeah. yeah. Go go ask somebody else. Yeah. Like you're not obligated to those things. Like I might know way more about their oral health than they are, but your mouth and your oral health is your responsibility. And if it's shitty and you're getting shit work by shit doctors and you're just kind of going along with the ride, I'm sorry, but that, that's your responsibility. If you did not ask a single question and they said you need a mouthful of crowns and you just went along with it, you got yourself bamboozled. And you are responsible for that. That doctor lied to you and they bamboozled you. But it is still on you to take care of your own self. It's crazy how we're willing to trust shit that's more like McDonald's than we are doctors at some degree, right? Yeah. It's like, no, we really think that you should get these three or four things done, right? Like, yeah. but I'm going to trust this person, this other person with my health. I'm like, eh, this person really isn't it. And then just like accept the fact that they are maybe lying or maybe telling the truth yeah. rather than just like you go to McDonald's, you don't question what you're getting. Right. What the fuck are you eating? <laughs> you don't question it, but you're going to either over question the person that's really trying to do right for you or never question the person that's really trying to fuck you over. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And like seek out a second opinion that's another professional. You know, uh, sorry to all y'all who like to Google search, but most of you guys do not know how to actually how do you search Google? for shit. <laughs> like you haven't even heard of Google Scholar. <laughs> like, there, there are like research-based articles out there to read and not just like a headliner of like, oh, this article title said, and I'm, I'm a, I, I do the same thing. I will see a headline and I will 
kind of run along with it without delving into the research. But for my career and the things that I'm presenting as a dentist, all that shit is research-based. Like, not just a headline that I happened to come across yesterday on Instagram, but like a legit research article that's multifactorial and all the other things, bring all sorts of data and you got to read it and analyze it. And we learned how to actually do that in school. And like, it's not fun reading those fucking articles. They're boring as hell. But if you learn how to do it, you can actually kind of pick out, oh, this is a good one because of this. Oh, this one's biased because of that. Oh, this one only had 10 people in the fucking, you know, that was their test category. That's not a big population. population. Like this is not valid. Or everybody in that population happened to fit in the same category. Right. Like this is this is not extrapolated to the rest of the population. You know, and people don't do that. They read, they read a headline and they go along with it. And I'm not denying doing that, but when it comes to my career and the way I present that to other people, that's not what's going on. You can't, can't do just that. You have to read. Even like when reading research, I will go to only the methods and see, okay, who exactly did they get? What was like? What was their population? How many did they get? Where did they find them? Are they already trained or are they not trained? Yeah. And then, okay, this, this article is worth reading. Right. Or it's a bunch of bullshit on to the next one. Right. Once you kind of learn that, you can quickly sift through articles and be like, okay, no, this one's not valid. That one's not valid. That one's not valid. Okay, this one I have some merit. I'm going to keep looking. And you kind of look to disprove it to some degree. You're looking for that objective eyes. Like, could something have been incorrectly input in here or biased or it? Like, why'd you wait four days for that? Right. Why'd you do like, and then like, sometimes you'll see a site to a, <clears throat> a, a validation for that method that's been proven over X amount of articles and X amount of data research points. Okay, never mind. Got it. Back yeah. to the article, you know? Like, but it does yeah. take time and that's also why you're paid what you paid. Right. And there there are some things where you could have a perfectly good research article. I, I came up with this one a few weeks back where it's like I could write an article and do research and have research that will back this up that would show that smoking cigarettes would be healthy for your gums depending on how I fabricated the study. And I was like the, the way I could do this would be if my only measure of unhealthy gums is bleeding. You know, while you're checking the gums, do they bleed or do they not bleed? Bleeding is unhealthy. Not bleeding is healthy. <laughs> Smokers have really like tight gums. It, it shrinks those gums down. They are not swollen. They do not bleed. So that sort of an article would probably prove, prove that <laughs> smoking cigarettes is healthy for your gums. Even though there's going to be recession, there's going to be stain, there's going to be all sorts of other issues that are not addressed. It's only looking at the bleeding. So like, even if it looks like a good article and you're kind of looking into it, if you don't have that nuanced expertise in certain areas, you might not be drawing the correct conclusions about what that is actually about because they're only considering one factor if that's, you know, the the, the, the case study that they're doing. Um, and I think we get pretty high on research that we forget to actually do the very first step of research and ask the question, does this hypothesis make sense? Does smoking cigarettes make your gums healthier? No. Like, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what research you do. It's not, it's not going to be healthy for your gums. Like, you're, you're putting smoke in and all around this with all these carcinogens and other things and heat. It's going to get burned. and all, like, Logically, I don't even need to do the research. It's not going to be good for your gums. Um, I'm not saying that, that like, uh, if you smoke cigarettes that your gums are going to go to shit. But do we really need to be doing these sorts of research articles where it's like, just anecdotally think about it. Does that make sense? 
No? Okay. Mouth cancer. Most right. Smokes a person. Right. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Now the gums are doing great. <laughs> yeah. Smoke is good for the lungs. It's good it, for the gums. It's good for the gums. That's insane. It's, it, it does take a nuanced look, but I think even if just get some sort of common sense behind some shit. Right. Like, like if you see something and, and it's always a good example is, you know, drinking alcohol, they're always back and forth. Drinking's good for you. Drinking's bad for you. Drinking's good for you. We're not moderation. This is bad. It's like, is drinking alcohol good for you? Probably not. We know what it does. Like, it's a poison. It's, it's a poison. poison. It's, it's making you feel kind of fun in your head and your liver's got to filter all this shit out. We know that your body has to actively filter it out. Is it good for you? Probably not. Drinking a couple glasses every couple of days, is that really going to destroy your life? No. Like, we, we, we can... We can work through that just logically. We don't need the the research and different evidences and yeah, like like oh, what's the saying? It's uh, statistics can like show the truth or they can cover it up. Like depending on how you present it and how you collected it and how the whole study's put together, it can either expose truths or hide them. You can have a statistician just take something and just they they run it through a specific strategy of of of, of stat, like um uh, of data analysis. Yeah. And it shows an entirely different view. The same data thing. Same data. Run through one thing, run through another thing, different conclusions. Two different graphs, but yeah. like you're like, uh, well, recovery versus time. It looks like it's decreasing, like, or I guess increase recovery is increasing over time. Yeah. But you don't like look at, well, what are they actually measuring here? Yeah. Like, what is recovery and what is time? Right. Like, do you, what did they bring in some chi square or whatever the other statistical analyses and things that they can do? And like, there's so many ways they can play with the numbers that if you don't understand what that really means, then the statistics confuse more than they reveal and i think a lot of times it, it it's just they need money which is sad. It's, like that's it, facts it, it is yeah. like they i think that when i first got into research my brother was like no they would never do like stuff that wasn't like real research of course they would of course they would yeah they're like we like cigarettes were given and prescribed by doctors like yeah because they, big, did, they did research that proved that it was good and then we realized, oh shit! They were just like they were bought some out. Data. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it happens all the time. And sometimes, like, not just trusting the, not just trusting the, 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 the data, and asking the question to yourself and seeing, does this make sense? Yeah. Yes or no, and if yes or no, then why? And then ask somebody who's local that might be in that profession. Like, know your doctor. Know your. Your 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 fitness professional, your sports med doctor, no, an attorney, know somebody in that space in your community and just ask them. Yeah, does this make sense? Yeah, and I would say like, also to consider is there a practical application for that answer? Like sometimes I think we do research just for research's sake. It's like there's there's literally, like, obviously smoking cigarettes is not healthy for your gums. But if that's the study that you're gonna do, is that practical to society like stop brushing and flossing your teeth to smoke cigarettes instead <laughs> like there's no practical application to that and that's maybe a poor example because that's my hypothetical um like research that i just made up in my own head um but i see plenty of articles like that even the alcohol one where it's like if you drink 
one glass this per day, you're going to be getting hypertension. And one, that's not true. I know it's not facts because that's a very specific data that they took that led to that conclusion because there's plenty of articles that lead to the exact opposite. Um, plenty of articles that lead to the exact opposite. Right. It's like this is, there's no practical application there though either. Like you're just trying to do research for research's sake. And to what benefit does that bring to society? Not a whole lot. It's a little bit of just stroking the own ego. Yeah. At that point. We're, like, we're scientists. Right. Stop it. Right. <laughs> we, 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 we did this thing. We got a grant for it. We got paid for it. So now we got to publish our results. And it's like, good for you, I guess. Like, that's the not going to. Journal of Science. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not going to change my behavior whatsoever. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't drink every single day. I don't do, you know. I, I do these things. I enjoy it. If a research article came out that said one drink is going to cause brain cancer, I'd be like, that's bullshit because I've had plenty of drinks and like, <laughs> it's not, not facts. And it's also like, okay, is, is the population that we're looking at, like, are they drinking, were they drinkers before? Are they drinking, are, are they working out? Right. What other are they doing elements are they to like mitigate their consumption of alcohol? Mm-hmm. Well, they drank one a day and then they became more hypertensive and then more likely to commit suicide. Well, they were also on Xanax and right. blah 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 blah. And you're like, okay, well maybe that contributed and to the combination. They were not exercising and they were working <laughs> seventy hours a week and like it's the alcohol, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Things do not exist in a vacuum, and that's no. one of the issues I have with research is that yeah. it tries to take one thing and look at that one thing in a vacuum. And it's like that is just not practical. Um, even like um, you take – this might be a poor example. Take THC straight out of a weed plant, and you have that in like the weed pens. That's just like basically straight THC. We've, we've used those before. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Like just the way that it feels yeah. – is it the same essence? Is the high more or less kind of the same feel? Sure. But everything else that comes along with it is, is not exactly the same because you, you took everything else out of it. And it is now just that one pure element. It's different. It's different. It, Entirely. You, you, you took everything else out of it that made it weed and now it's just THC. Um, not be, that, there's plenty of examples that might not be the best one. but I, I like that one a lot. I mean, I think that... It's just it's it's a it, you would imagine to be like a longer lasting high. It's not, and it's not. It's it's much shorter. You I get higher faster, but it doesn't last as long. And then I get like a weird headache that kind of comes on afterward, and then it doesn't feel very good on my throat and lungs. And really doesn't get, feel good on the lungs. No, it, it does, does not. not feel good on the lungs. Yeah. and I'm not saying that you know smoking joints is going to be the best thing for your lung capacity for your life going forward. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm not making some ridiculous claims like that. Smoking is good for the lungs. Right, smoking weed is good. <laughs> Cigarettes though. No, it, it, <laughs> it's still tar and tobacco. It's right, still tar. <laughs> we get there, that. There still is smoke going in, so I'm, I'm not denying that there's going to be some damage going on. But when you strip everything out of it and just have that one element, kind of like the research is like you you took everything that made it what it was and just looked at that one thing, and it's just it's just not practical to to how we exist because we don't exist in vacuums at all. I'm gonna say and, and like as. As individuals, we do not no. we do not exist in vacuums. No, it is easy. I think it's comfortable for the individual, like it's for black the and own white, own person to make. They're a doctor. Yeah, they're a lawyer. They're a dad. They're a mom. But 
That motherfucker, they have, they have feelings. Yeah. There's a lot going inside that brain that yeah. their past has, that their relationships have had, that the issues, like, inside their own interpersonal relationships and intrapersonal relationships, like, there's a lot going on there. You can't just For say, sure. oh, that's all they are. Yeah. Like, there's there's so much, like, it is so much more complex, and I think, in a way, that it is keeping it simple and not making it more complex than it needs to be. You don't need to just look at this one thing to, like, the, the nth degree. Yeah. It's like, no, they're just human. Right. Like, you, you take that one element of any particular situation and strip everything else out and try to observe that one element, how it changes. And it's like, but you don't know how that element exists when it's got all that other shit alongside of it. You know, that, that one person, you strip them out of their environment and you take that environment away. Are they still going to act the same as when they had that supporting system? Of course not. Like you, you completely change the environment and then we call it quality research. It's like, we, we changed the thing though. Like we're not actually... <laughs> We're not, we're not observing the thing as it was, you know, when it existed in nature and, and how we were using it before, but we tried to, to boil it down and simmer it down. And I think that's our human desire to make things black and white. And it's just not true. Like, I feel like it's, it's an endless non-victorious battle. Yeah, like they can't you, win that. You can't win. Like it's yeah. just, well, like in the, in the genetics that we did, and then we, we talked about, well, like there's this, like there's a couch potato kind of gene that doesn't, like there, there's not a receptor or a, there's a, something wrong with a dopamine receptor. Mm-hmm. And so like we went, like they, they went back and tried to like figure out which dopamine receptor it was and what was causing the response. And after all this time, this, this, this long sets of data research and, and analysis, and like, well, we figured out this small portion. This small portion of why that might be true, but we figured out that we don't know the second part of this issue, which is like influencing this one. So now we need to go back and get a new research grant for this one. Right. It's like, how many times are you going to go through this, like trying to find a cycle, but like you're never going to find a real answer because there could be an answer that's, that that there could be an an answer that you got that was entirely. Um, adjacent, but not directly influenced. Yeah. And you won't know until you get so far down that road that you're like, actually, that was probably more, that was closer. Actually, we needed to go this way, not to the left. And it's like, why? What are are we doing here? Yeah. What's the point of this? Why are we trying to get things to be so like purely that one element as opposed to just looking at the entire picture? At once and, and researching the entire picture and like looking at the environment, looking at other factors that can influence it. Not like what is the actual thing that causes that this to happen? What factors from the outside influenced this particular animal or individual that led to these things changing and, and, and you know, their brain chemistry being off or this other thing? What were the environmental factors that, that came into it? Um, and, then, and then it makes it more tangible i think when we actually look at it that way and more practical and more real where it's not like yeah your problem is you don't make enough dopamine it's like okay well i I wasn't always that way you know why am i not making enough dopamine you know it's because you have not worked out in three years your your body is needs to be moving and and it has not been moved in that amount of time so it's not producing the dopamine um but that's not what the research does it does does this pill provide the dopamine that's yeah. going to make up or is it going to affect the receptors in a way where that little dopamine that's in there it's going to feel like there's more of it 
you know, is that going to change things? Rather than actually looking at the environmental causative factors that cause these sorts of changes. And like, I think part of it is just money, finance, profitability. You know, you, you do research because you think you can find something you can profit off of. And getting lifelong pill consumers is wildly profitable. Fixing people's issues so they don't need to take pills anymore and they can just exercise or whatever the case may be and, and live a healthy life and sleep eight hours a day or eight hours a night and eat actual food and not go to Whataburger and McDonald's every day and exercise three times a week. And now all of a sudden they don't need your pills. Like, well, you just lost a shit ton of money because they don't need all your pills anymore. And like, it, it's a shitty system to, to work out like that. It's only a matter of time before it goes away, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I'm pretty pessimistic about it, honestly. Um, I wish I was more optimistic about that. But I, I, I think the earning potential is too high for people to just let that go. And they, the people will, they will fight. People will fight tooth and nail to the end to make that continue to exist because of the profitability that, that comes from that. They, they will call you, like, abusive like like i said the, the the gym classes for children they will call you abusive to their children for making them exercise and it's like i i, I i'm doing the exact opposite I, i'm not trying to abuse your children i'm trying to get your children to not need to be reliant on these pills that are profiting these big ass companies that also debilitate your kids to become an adult who are dependent upon these pills that don't actually exist in nature in order to actually survive on this planet like like I, didn't I have them for a like very I said long before, time. yeah, we did not evolve using those, and th there are plenty of other natural remedies, and there's plenty of great shit that's come from that Western medicine, but we we did not, like human beings did not evolve to have anxiety and depression and all of these tremendous mental health issues that we're currently dealing with. That was not part of our evolution. This is our own doing. Like that 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 is not a winning evolution strategy. That this is not evolution. This is our own doing to our own selves. And fixing it with pills isn't the answer. That's not the answer. That's the problem. Like that is actually part of the problem is that we think that we are the solution. We're not the solution. We need to get out of the way and re, like, return to nature and physical. Fi I, I think nature is huge for it as well. A lot of some people don't don't like nature. They don't like being out in it. I think that's sad. Like, like nature is healing. That's just a fact. Kind of like exercise creates dopamine. And like the, these are scientific facts that we know that being out in nature is a healing experience for people. Um, but it's not prioritized at all in our society. Like I would love it if the uh, psychiatrists who, you know, prescribing things could prescribe exercise. I'm going to write you a prescription for 30 minutes of exercise three times a week. I'm going to write you a prescription. That'd be beautiful. Right? For, for that 30 minutes of exercise to be a walk. You're going to go do a walk outside in nature, bring your dog, bring somebody, go by yourself, wear headphones. I don't care. That's your prescription. Either do it or don't, but this is, this is the medical advice. You need to do that in order to actually take care of your mental health. I'm going to prescribe for you journal writing. You need to be writing down in your journal once a week or whatever the case may be. Like... Other things that we can prescribe, but they're not profitable. You don't make any money off of that. But that is like the, the best things in life, in my opinion, are free. The most w valuable things in life are free. Working out, being fit. You have to pay for a gym maybe, but like. You can, you can go outside. You can go outside. You, you can go run. Mm -hmm. you, can, you, can, you can run barefoot. You don't need, you, 
You don't you need run anything. And stretch and do everything. Do all of within that. Your radius. That is free. You might need to go buy a pen and pencil. You don't have to do that, but you know, you probably have something around your house that you can use to to write things down. Journaling that is free. The 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 most beneficial things for your mental health, physical health, and for your own life are right in front of you. It does not come in a pill bottle. That's for sure. Boom. <laughs> All right. We're going to head out. Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. It's been a good time. Always. Yeah, for sure. Love y'all. Follow, like, share, do the things. Thank y'all. Love you. Bye. Thanks, man. That was good. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.